there, friends. It's your old pal Kevin. Just a little bit of an announcement in case you're not aware. You've not heard the amazing news. Joe and I will be doing our first ever live show for How To Wrestling. It will be taking place in London on the 9th of September in the fabulous King's Palace Theatre. Tickets are available now as part of London Podcast Festival Presents Wrestling. It's going to be a really, really awesome show. Joe and I can't wait to see all of you live and in person. And our show is going to be a live recording. So you get to take part in the first ever live recording of an episode of How To Wrestling, where the topic is going to be about the silliest gimmicks in the history of wrestling. So everything from Bastion Booger to the Gobbledygooker to TL Hopper to Arachnid Man will be discussed and revealed to Joe. Goodness knows, maybe even we'll pull back the curtain and finally reveal who the great and powerful Oz is. If you want to be part of history, the first ever live show for How To Wrestling and be part of the audience for our first ever live episode recording, head over to kingsplace.co.uk, check out some tickets. As always, all the information is available on howtowrestling.com over on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash howtowrestling. But for now, enjoy this episode dedicated to the generic luchador as requested by Russell Kidd, one of our backers on Patreon. Thank you so much, Russell, for requesting this episode. Enjoy How To El Generico. friends and welcome to another episode of how to wrestling the world's first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling how to get into wrestling how to understand wrestling and goodness knows maybe even how to enjoy wrestling ole everyone it's uh, your old pal el cowboy kevin man joined as i am always by nouveau fan joanna graham ole <laughs> Have you uh, used the Ole chant much in your life? Have you found kind of, or is today's episode one that's kind of brought it to the forefront of your life? Um, no, I think I have heard it being used at wrestling shows before. Hmm. Um. Oh, that's true, actually, because we've seen El Ligero wrestle yeah. a few times, and people chant Ole at El Ligero. Yes. That's interesting. Uh, you're obviously not like me then, when it was like you know World Cup a lot of Ole chants going around. I mean, I'm familiar with them being in football but no I've I've never been a, a footy supporter myself so I've never had the opportunity so you've never chanted that at Packy Bonner then for any for any length of time at all no okay I'm pretty sure that is a real footballer for, do you remember all the names of all the the old Irish footballers like uh, Jackie Charlton and uh, George Best I know like three footballers yeah they're Wayne, all Irish as Wayne well Wayne Rooney Irish as well yeah Michael Owens from Rahoon yeah <laughs> David Beckham. David Beckham, and oh well, he did the fucking did the fence last week. What are you talking about? Good solid Kildare man, straight as a telephone pole, straight <laughs> up and down. Let me tell you, today's episode is a very exciting one indeed. Uh, forgive it if it's slightly shorter than normal, but we've got a loaded plate full of episodes to be getting out to you, folks. Today's episode is about the generic luchador, the grappler from Tijuana, Mexico, who disappeared into nothingness in 2012. But we're here today to talk about the life and times 
of El Generico. Joe, is El Generico upon, I mean, when you look at him straight away, I mean, would you say he reminds you of anyone or he's someone who rings any bells for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, he definitely resembles a luchador wrestler. I, I'm, I'm saying that as like a vague umbrella term. <laughs> well, when you use that term, luchador wrestler, which... And I probably, that isn't even the right term. Which I believe translates into wrestler, wrestler. Yeah, does it? <laughs> really showing my ignorance. So if someone is a luchador, uh, what, what, where are they hailing from usually? Or what's that term? Okay, I feel I'm going to really put my foot in it here, but like full openness and transparency, I know nothing about lucha wrestling. This is our first luchador. Yeah, I, I mean, think... like, I've seen an episode of Lucha Underground. <laughs> That's about it. Um, so if what I say here is they're completely wrong and ignorant, just call me out. Go for it. My Twitter handle is at the Joanna Graham. Go on, tell me how wrong I am. <laughs> so I I'm mean... excited now. <laughs> it's going to be great. They are a German low flying, <laughs> pretty strong stuff. <laughs> I mean, lucha wrestlers, as far as I've seen, they tend to wear masks. Uh-huh. Uh, it tends to be kind of like a flip de doo high-flying, really, like, over-the-top Acrobatic, would yeah, you acrobatic, say? Yeah, acrobatic, yeah, totally. So, like, the first instance I think I was really familiar with any lucha-style wrestling was the Lucha Dragons. Ah, uh, yes, of course. WWE, which is maybe the most uh, westernised lucha wrestlers. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is that a thing of, like, westernising lucha wrestling I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure most of the luchadors back in Mexico back in AAA aren't going lucha 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 (laughs) it's like that really cool anime that you and I watched the one where they all sit around a table going Japan you know it's not really that (laughs) authentic But yeah, I mean, it seems to be a lot more kind of all the things I'm into in terms of wrestling. So what are those things? Okay, like flip de doo wrestling. Okay. okay so can you, I don't know if you ever translated flip de doo Like, I mean, what what constitutes flip de doo Does it mean a guy jumping off the top rope lots? He's doing flip de doos <laughs> Come on now, Kevin, keep up. Standard wrestling lingo at this point it's in this no podcast. Two years running, you're expected to have done your homework. Yeah, it's, it's like flippy flippy wrestling where you do backflips and front flips and moonsaults and jumping off the top rope outside of the ring and all that good stuff that El Generico does. And so you mentioned masks as well as another thing which luchadors tend yes. to have. Why would you believe a luchador would need to wear a mask? Um, oh, actually, I think I know why they do it. Oh, really? Right, okay, again, might be totally wrong, but isn't it because... It's like a status thing. And to have the mask taken off you is like... It's almost like Samson like losing his hair. Like a luchador with their mask off is like terrible. It's like, oh, so humiliated. But I don't know why. I think for some wrestling families and they're, like, they're, there's like a lineage with the mask. So it's kind of like, oh my God, you know, I've lost the mask. The very mask that my father and his father before me wore and yada, yada, yada. Uh, the other one as well, of course, is uh, wearing their masks to uh, protect their identities. So their uh, families won't get harmed. Oh, shit. What? Because it's like what gangs or something. <laughs> wrestling gangs. When kayfabe gets so like ingrained in a culture and society to the point where people... People like aren't take like there was as far as I remember there was a luchador who won like some local office he was like a he had a bull mask of some sort and he won like city councilman wow. or like, ombudsman or something like that and he wouldn't take the mask off for his picture 
and he wouldn't take his mask off in the chamber, so uh, he wasn't allowed to uh, actually take up the office. Oh my god, it's serious business. Yeah, he wanted, didn't want his enemies to know his true identity and his, <laughs> his plans for the pedestrianization of Tijuana city centre. Like so. God. So El Generico, the generic luchador, is someone who, on first attempts at looking at him, has got very, very straightforward, boring, almost. Deri- I mean, he's a generic luchador. But that's his. That's his gimmick, then. That's his gimmick. That he is a luchador, and he's what the most generic of all of them. He is the generic luchador, El Generico. Okay. <laughs> and like, am I right in thinking that typically? Lucha style wrestling hails from Mexico. Yes, typically speaking, the, the hub of where Lucha Libre would have taken place would have been in Mexico. And obviously, then in Southern uh, America as well, you would have still, I mean, places like Chile and whatnot, there is wrestling. But the hub of it all and where that style kind of comes from traditionally would be in Mexico. Yes, is where the okay. kind of the bulk of that. So obviously, El Generico being quite a, a gangly, skinny, white looking dude. Well, that's what's going to ask, because like, you can't see his face. No. So, I mean, I didn't know for sure he wasn't white, but he doesn't look very... He looks quite pale. He does. And he's got a kind of gingery beard. And kind of gingery, uh, stubbly uh, chest hair as well. He doesn't look like a typical Mexican luchador, is what so we're saying, yes. Is that part of the gimmick, then? I, I wouldn't know. I mean, the thing being, Joe, no one's ever seen underneath the mask, so no one really knows what El Generico looks like underneath there. Okay. So, who are we to cast aspersions on what, what Generico may or may not be? <laughs> <laughs> El Generico is one of the most well-travelled independent wrestlers of the last 10 years. He came up in a time where you had a ridiculously high pedigree on the indies. So you had the people like uh, Cesaro, Kevin Steen, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Colcabana, Adrian Neville, he would have been Puck. These are all names who... He would have wrestled in various different companies. Generico has wrestled in Europe. He's wrestled in Canada. He wrestled in the Middle East. He's wrestled in Japan. He's wrestled for Chikara, Ring of Honor, CZW, IWS, DDT. He's wrestled for every fucking different group you could imagine under the sun. Jesus. Except for WWE or TNA for that interesting. Well, except we don't know, I guess, if we don't know who he is. Why, are you implying that someone underneath the mask could have went on to have a highly successful career in another company? Well, he could have easily shaved off the beard. You wouldn't know, would you? <laughs> That's true. That's true. He could have shaved off that uh, beautiful goatee. I'm trying to think now. Who in WWE has, like, a, that shaped chin? Oni Lorcan. <laughs> I'm telling you. See? It could be him. I'm trying to think. Because Cesaro... No, he's too tall. Too tall to be Cesaro, isn't it? I was going to say, like, Zack Ryder. Like, could he's be. He's got the kind of pointy chin, similar... Kurt Hawkins has got the orange kind of beardish quality yeah, to him, I guess. Yeah, Cesaro it's the wrong shape. It's not pointy beard could be Heath Slater underneath there you know oh shit think about that similar body shapes you know he's been all around the world he's got kids I mean because there are a lot of people we were wondering why we did these episodes at the same time they were kind of worried what's going on like if we're trying to uncover some sort of mystery or something like that <laughs> or a big conspiracy well, I think the conspiracy is laid out right there go and ask where was Heath Slater in 2009 because I'm looking at my WWE encyclopedia and before 2010 they even heard of no Heath Slater <laughs> so you may be on something big there Joe something huge do you want to have a fun fact about El Generico please he's one of the few wrestlers and you won't believe this is absolutely 100% true he's one of the few wrestlers I had heard of before I started watching wrestling what I know how tell me how from my tumblr days that's interesting because we've had people chat a lot about like 
how they know El Generico is through gifts. Yes, yes. <laughs> Is that how you saw him? Um, no, not through... A couple of pictures. People would mm. post pictures of him and people would hypothesise who was under the mask. Ah. And I remember at one point, <laughs> someone even said that Sami Zayn was El Generico, but it's probably before I knew who Sami Zayn was. And we obviously but, both know that that couldn't possibly well, be. Well, I, I remember actually when I first met you, and I think I mentioned that there was a masked wrestler called El Generico, and you were like, oh yeah, I know of El Generico. I was like, oh yeah, I heard he's Sami Zayn. And you like literally laughed in my face. You were like, sorry to disappoint you. It's but funny, no. yeah. And then I remember turning to Joe and I said, if you ever say that to me again, um, you're dead to me. So don't. And you never have, except for that one time there, but that was recounting a story. Yeah. So you're not dead to me. You're very much alive, so it's fine. Yeah, I just thought I'd be quite funny to share that story of how ignorant I was as a new fan. I just had no idea how funny... It's interesting because I remember I saw El Generico wrestle uh, first way, way back in 2008, I think it was. So I went to see WrestleMania weekend and was well jazzed up for the big WWE show. And obviously, because WrestleMania is on that weekend, as happens every WrestleMania weekend, a lot of other companies came to the area and put on some shows. And Ring of Honor was the company that came and they put on a pair of shows. And I went to see both of them. And both nights, I got to see a very young Kevin Owens, who was known as Kevin Steen at the time and his tag team partner was El Generico and I remember loving this because Kevin Steen and we saw watched a bit of Kevin Steen and El Generico from around this time it was a lot of our focus for our Generico watching he doesn't look if you've never seen him before I mean does he look like a particularly scary individual or a particularly frightening individual Kevin Steen back in these days no he looks like a nice boy he looks a bit like a shithead bully <laughs> The way he does kind of still, but he's yeah. like a, he's a nice looking boy. So I remember like everyone in the arena absolutely lost their shit because out came this kind of frumpy dude in a singlet who looked like he was in a bad mood and the most excitable, gangly, kind of stringy fellow who just kept pointing up to the sky and everyone was <laughs> chanting ole. And the first thing I noticed about El Generico when I saw him was how this man was essentially a collection of rubber bands that had been tied and folded in a way to resemble a human mm. being. He is a very bouncy boy. He is very, very bouncy, yeah. <laughs> the first match we decided to watch, and we had a lot of recommendations because these two were an incredible tag team, it was Kevin Steen and El Generico taking on another team we've done an episode of way back in the day, the Young Bucks. This is from Ring of Honor Final Battle in 2009. Tag team action here. Generico and Steen have just after recently losing their tag team championships here. So they're on shaky ground. So the Young Bucks here, this is before they are selling out merchandise in uh, every merchandise outlet on God's green earth. I would christen them here the even younger Bucks. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Boy Steen. Oh, boy, Steen He's boy. He's so young. He looks grumpy. Cute little grump boy. Did you notice what was on his singlet? It was him doing a moonsault. I was really impressed really you picked cool, that. Really cool, yeah. Because when I first saw him, all I did for the entire match is go, what the fuck is that? Is you that couldn't tell? I couldn't know, but from a distance. There's, um, you know? there's an illustrator on Twitter who did an amazing piece of artwork of Kevin Owens doing that moonsault, and it's like ingrained in my brain because it's ah. such a cool, iconic image. He is very, very graceful, yeah. Is yeah. Kevin Owens. I'm going to say Kevin Steen and Kevin Owens interchangeably here, I think. It's That's fair all, enough, It always yeah. happens. Have you noticed this? Is I wonder if you've ever seen. Um, it's something which people hate a lot, which is referring to WWE wrestlers as their old indie names. Right. 
As in, there are some people out there where they'll say, you know, this weekend it's uh, Styles and Steen for the US Championship. They won't say it's Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles. They'll only use their old names, like... I think it's a bit silly to, like, take a stance that you're only going to use their new names. It's not very supportive <laughs> as a fan. Like, if, if the wrestler's gone through a rebrand, the least you can do is fucking call them by their new name. But if it's like a habit and you're just like, oh, I forgot that they've got a new name now, then I think that's fair enough. Yeah, that, I think that's what's going to happen here with Steen for me and Owens because yeah. I know him as both. <laughs> but like, I saw someone a while ago on like Reddit or somewhere and they were like, check out this sick John Moxley promo. And oh, go, for fuck's sake. Oh, it's Dean Ambrose. And the person, okay. went, <laughs> no, the person went, don't call him by his slave name. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Jesus It's Christ. not a slave name. Like It is so not a slave name. When they give you a slave name, you don't also have to sign a contract where if they use that name, you get, get you know, millions, millions of, of dollars. Yeah, oh my God. Also, the other thing I think about calling wrestlers by their previous names is like, that's again appropriate if, like, say, if you are actually watching a John Moxley promo as John Moxley. Yes, yeah. Then, yeah, call him John Moxley, don't call him Dean Ambrose because it's a different character, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird the other way around, I think. <laughs> oh, what's the matter? Did you get confused when I called him John Moxley? So you maybe haven't heard of John Moxley, but that's Dean Ambrose's real name. No, it's fine. It's fine. You got you got Wi-Fi. Check it out. Just check it out there. Go to Wikipedia. Have you been there? Have you seen it? Have you, do you know that I'm correct? Oh, man, look at this sick video of John Moxley putting <laughs> a saw to his head. <laughs> you know what? I must say I love the fact that El Generico and Kevin Steen... And they were liberal with their hugs when they were coming out. Nice hugging boys. Lots of hugs. What do you think of Generico's sweet, sparkly cape? Oh, I love his little cape. (laughs) It's so cute. I want one. So you think you would rock the cape if you were a wrestler? Hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, I noticed the um, Olay chants started before they even made it to the ring. Yeah, big Olay chants. They they were chanted before he came out, you know, as kind of like a hype-up thing. Was, um... El Generico the first wrestler to get Olay chants then? He is the first wrestler that I can remember having Olay chants. That's not to say that there has been wrestlers beforehand, but I would definitely say in terms of across indie wrestling popularising it in the US, I think Olay was definitely done by, by El Generico. So you hear it all the time now. Yeah, it's funny. Well, they do it in like Montreal all the time as well, and... The WWE announcers, they always try and say, oh, well, they they chanted because of the hockey here in Montreal. But I don't know if there's anyone who's a Montreal-based fan. I know we have some Montreal fans. If you know it's Ole chants at hockey, please tweet in and let us know. It is definitely quite a strange thing. Like The catch-all one as well is if they hear Ole chants, they go, well, international fans here tonight. So (laughs) you and I, of course, being international, Joe, this is an international household. We chant Ole when we're making porridge in the morning. Every time. I'll tell you what I noticed definitely about El Generico. He has a handsome chin. He he does. Kind eyes as well. He does have kind eyes. Very kind eyes. I think that he'd be a a handsy boy. You think so? Yeah, I think he's got a nice. He's got nice eyes. He's got a nice, nice chin. Yeah, nice little beardling going on there. Little beard, yeah. He's a handsome boy underneath there. Hunk under that, and no one's seen him. No one's seen him. No one's seen him. Actually, I do remember once that Ring of Honor, when they were going to pay-per-view for the first time, it was actually around this exact time, I remember, and they were trying to do like a, a, a like a pre-show type thing, and what they accidentally showed instead was they put a live cam on, they left it on for all, like all afternoon as the wrestlers were in the ring, yeah. warming up and trying out 
you know, their moves and calling spots for later on. And apparently El Generico was, was there. You could see him. Really? But I didn't check because I was in the other room. So, you know, who's to say, really? I mean, you could have seen him at that point. But if you lost that opportunity, that's the only time I know of. But I want to see if he's hot. <laughs> Tweet in. If you've seen El Generico's face... Tell me if he's hot. There's not yet been in wrestling a storyline where someone tries to unmask a wrestler to see if they're hot <laughs> underneath. <laughs> and then Joe finally unmasks him. Ew, he's not hot. Aww, <laughs> what did that mean? Do you notice how much Kevin Steen was spitting in this? Hard to miss, Kevin. Hard to miss. There's a lot of spitting in this match. In five minutes, we got a slap in the face, a spit, gum spat back in his direction. Oh, Jesus. And yeah, and then you've got fucking... So Matt Jackson spat out his chewing gum and Kevin Owens just looks at it picks it up and then puts it in his mouth he's like mm, delicious that's fucking oh, horrid so greasy ew unhygienic oh, like. it's so gross when you think of all like the blood that has touched that ring all a the lot. spit and sweat and tears and, ring of honor which is all black dark grey and red the colours that are designed to mask the fact that they've not watched their wrestling ring uh, like and he literally at one point shot snot from his nose <laughs> As like a shower of snot. And ladies and gentlemen, your gloop of the night for the next infinite nights goes to Kevin Steen. One of the uh, announcers referred to them as the most unhygienic tag team. (laughs) (laughs) I like Generico's got some kind of, he's got some fun offense. Like he will chop a guy and then point up and go, ole, and then chop him again and again. (laughs) You know, it's because Generico has got a mask on that... He almost compensates for the lack of facials with yeah. his body. Like I would, you would never look at this guy and go, "Oh, he doesn't sell," or "I don't know what oh, his, no. his character is doing or feeling at the moment." No, it's totally like big hand actions, totally over the top. Everything is emphasized. It's like Greek mm. theater. Yeah, right? yeah. I think he does a really, really good job because a lot of times wrestlers wear masks because they aren't particularly good on the mic or they aren't particularly good at facial expressions. All right. So if you wear a mask, it means you kind of get out of that. But on the other hand, then people always make the complaint about a lot of luchadors don't sell or don't convey emotion in the same way. There are some actually wrestling writers who think that a guy in a mask can never get over. What? Because if you can't cut that promo or have that eye contact with the crowd and make that statement, and that's some theory people have. That's a bit of an ignorant theory, though, to be like, this entire genre of mm. entertainment is invalid. Well, think that. How many wrestlers can you think of who are, like, entirely masked? Yeah, not many. top guys. But, yeah. but that's because I tend to watch very westernised mm. wrestling. It's the, it tends to be the WWE. I'm yeah. not exactly watching a huge amount of Mexican wrestling, and it's not like the style has massively infiltrated, like, in the sense of wearing masks. Yeah. Obviously, the wrestling style has infiltrated. WWE. Yeah, no, it's very, very true. And also, I can't exactly imagine the WWE giving much of a chance to someone who wears a mask. It's funny, yeah, basically everything I said there is like the philosophy of WWE yeah. and Vince McMahon. <laughs> <laughs> when I say they oftentimes, <laughs> when I'm saying they say, it's, it's basically WWE, I think yeah. it's what I meant to be saying. <laughs> Get some sweet double team moves to El Generico and Kevin Steen. Yeah, I always forget how just how good the Young Bucks are. They're so fucking good. Even at this like very primordial phase, mm. they're still pulling out all of these. Sw- like the crowd are not in the Young Bucks' hands. Like the, the Young Bucks are the other performers yeah. here tonight, which I think is very funny because 
you will never see that ever again, ever yeah. now, because of the, how the young books are. They control the crowd and the 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 ideas of the match. Whereas here, they're just the guys who are here to take him on. So <laughs> weird. I like as well how Generico is so super resourceful. Like they're these two guys in this team, Steen and Generico, look nothing alike. They're different shapes, different styles. But they help each other out. Like when Steen is getting up off the ground, Generico will use him as a stool to jump to the <laughs> outside of the ring. <laughs> there is some incredibly fast-paced sequences between Matt Jackson and... I'm, right, I'm calling him Jen because usually when I'm writing notes, I have to do shorthand for people. And I kept writing EG, which made me write, accidentally think of Eddie Guerrero. Right. So I started calling him Jen. No, <laughs> Jen. I don't Jen. Come here to me, Jen. <laughs> Jen was great in that match. With an L. L. L will work. Yeah. Ellie. Or Rico. Rico. I like that. <laughs> El Rico. There's a couple of moments in this match as well, which are kind of almost like building up to what we see later on. Like Generico is about to get a big move right in the face and Kevin pushes him out of the way and takes the move for him, sacrificing like a very good boy. Is this like, is Kevin Steen, when he was with El Generico, was like really nice and then something horrible happened and then he became friends with Sami Zayn and became a dick? <laughs> it's weird. He would always, he made out like he he's the reason why Generico is in in uh, America wrestling. That was kind of the story oftentimes what, he would like he tell. brought him to America? Yeah, like he said he found him in the gutter in like Mexico and he wow. just like dusted him off. It's like, here, come on, wrestle. <laughs> 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 but like they would often do things like Generico because Jericho didn't speak English, he had very poor English, and also quite poor Spanish as well. Jericho said difficulty communicating full stop. Steen would often take advantage of his good nature, like, you know, there's a series of videos where, like, Steen was, like, mildly injured, and Jericho had to push him around everywhere in his wheelchair. <laughs> so like, I want to go over here now, I want to get some catering, like, push me over here. <laughs> we get the Yakuza kick by El Generico, similar to Sami Zayn's Haluva kick, but, again, a different move, and you can't prove that they're the same person. So, did Sami Zayn is that just like another instance of a WWE wrestler stealing a move from an indie guy oh absolutely I mean we see we see this happen all the time Joe I think we talked about it in recent episodes it seems to crop up an awful lot and it's funny if you listen to Sami Zayn talk about El Generico oh yeah shit because yeah. Did they ever wrestle together then? They've never wrestled together, no. Uh, they've never wrestled together. Uh, they never wrestled against each other. And it's funny because like, Sammy has mentioned seeing Generico wrestle quite a lot and being inspired by him uh, before he went on to do his, his other career. So. so, but if they are in... Because they're in similar circles, obviously, with having fought the same kind of opponents like Kevin Steen and Cesaro and that lot. Mm. Does that mean that Sammy would have asked permission to use the... I forget the name of the move. What's it called? The Yakuza kick. The Yakuza kick. I would imagine not, mainly because Generico had such poor communication skills. I mean, Generico wouldn't even know how to raise such an issue, yet alone a contact the wrestling ombudsman. So, <laughs> I mean, there's not really... I think he's fucked him, pure and proper, is all he's done there. He's, so much for Sami Zayn being the nicest wrestler yeah, in the league, huh. stealing all your moves. Seriously. He's taken a lot of stuff from this guy here. We got a sharpshooter by Kevin Steen here, and the Young Bucks try to break it up, and he just spits in their face as they're trying to do it. The Young Bucks hit their ridiculous finishing sequence, more bang for your buck, but Kevin Steen still manages to kick out. <laughs> we have this lovely bit here where Kevin Steen is like completely dead, and he's trying to get up, and the Young Bucks just take turns, super kicking him <laughs> in the face. It's great. They're like clearly like desperate. How do we win? Let's just super kick him until we win. <laughs> I kind of feel like the Young Bucks in the future maybe told him, just do the same move over and over again. <laughs> Thanks, future Bucks. 
So yeah, 90 super kicks, the Young Bucks win. A very cheerful promo afterwards as Kevin Steen talks about kind of, you know, his road that he's traveled because him and Generico have been wrestling together and against each other for eight years. Is that what he's saying? I couldn't understand a single goddamn word because the microphone setup was the worst. This is something I think needs to be discussed. I mean, yeah. I, what would you say to the production values here with Shit. the Ring of Honor? So bad. So, so bad. I don't know, like, if it's... Like, fair game to say because no one ever says it. Um, but Why? Pre- I don't know. It's funny because this was the exact time where I really got inspired by Ring of Honor and really wanted to watch a lot of it. I remember used to trying to stream their shows and to watch their stuff live as much as possible. And then I would get really annoyed because the announcing you could barely hear it looks like they're on rock band microphones yeah. and then you would have like them guys trying to cut big promos and it's like <laughs> yeah that's what this was it's really really bad and it kind of it harms when the guys are trying to tell a story and they can't tell the story and a lot of what tries to get conveyed here i had to kind of translate to you and i feel like that's not how you should experience a lot of your wrestling you know it's really really upsetting the way that it happens a lot yeah but this is a company that unfortunately had a lot of crappy production values <laughs> the first one I watched live their first ever live like pay-per-view I tweeted it was like my first weeks of Twitter and I tweeted like I love this show but I like tweeted like the director was like but seriously how shitty are your production values and I got all this hate like <gasps> how dare you they're just starting out you motherfucker oh trying to God. kill this company but like people who have worked for Ring of Honor have talked about at the time how they had real difficulty getting like good equipment, and the people in charge didn't obviously give them the equipment. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it is difficult if you've got people who are talented and able and know what needs to be done. But if you're not getting the money from head office or whatever, you know, the yeah, budget, yeah, buy this new microphone or this piece of equipment that will help. It's funny because be like, nah. a loads of people like request as we look at this match because this is the match where Kevin Steen like turns on Generico and he has this like heartfelt moment afterwards where he's talking about his career and all the hardships he's had and then he turns to Generico and says, "And you, I hate your fucking guts," and he kicks him in the dick. Jesus. <laughs> and he smashed in the head with a chair. But I feel like a lot of that emotion is really truly gone yeah and you can't hear a word they're fucking saying and like again it would be kind of fair enough but at least have subtitles mm, yeah some yeah you know what everyone goes out there they all the communities on youtube who subtitle like every fucking vloggers upload into yeah. every different language someone go and close caption 2009 ring of honor please <laughs> So what star rating would you give for Generico and Steen taking on Young Bucks? Let's include the uh, the muffly promo and the ball shot uh, as well at the end. <laughs> oh, um, if we're including the muffly promo at the end, I'd give it three out of five stars. If we're not including it, I'd give it four. Okay. It was a good match. It's one which you would you recommend people check out? I would. The Young Bucks are really entertaining and ridiculously good wrestlers and it's fun seeing Kevin Steen teamed up with El Generico. I would say definitely check out the Ring of Honor YouTube page because Ring of Honor do have a streaming service um, but you can oftentimes find a lot of big matches, big names appearing on those matches for free in their entirety on YouTube but they do a throwback Thursday and a free match Friday as far as I know. So yeah, we actually got both of these matches which we watched for Ring of Honor 
were available free and legal from the Ring of Honor YouTube page, which is pretty fucking sweet. Yeah, it's awesome. So he decides what's next are another match which was highly recommended. Most of El Generico's, the recommended matches we had were various battles he had with Kevin Steen, who he wrestled in, you know, he wrestled in IWS back in the day, but Ring of Honor was where their main feud happened. We didn't watch their final, final battle, because the final, final battle between the two was in 2012. And unfortunately, it's a ladder war, that match. But unfortunately, that match is pretty much like just Generico getting beat up for most of it. What, and this wasn't? Yeah, this is... (laughs) They're both a bit like that, but the other one I remember just being a bit too much like that. So this one, I kind of, I, I decided between the two, I decided to go for El Generico versus Kevin Steen. It was the mask versus the career for Ring of Honor in 2010. It's a year to the day after him telling him that he hates his fucking guts uh, for you know him holding him back and all this. So if El Generico loses the Hang match... Hang on. Whoa. This is familiar. Familiar? Holding him back and then he turns on him. Yeah. Hit, didn't that exact same thing? Didn't with Chris did? Jericho and Kevin Owens. Yeah, I know. They had a... But sim- again, didn't he do that with Sami Zayn as well? Maybe. You know what? Once again, it's probably that Sami Zayn. Because, you know, think about it, right? This Sami Zayn kid... There's very little about him before he came to, to NXT. He reminds me of, it was like, you know these fucking jocks who they just give a developmental deal to, like, oh, he's got a cool look. He's got a he's got a body. He'll be good for the company. What, you think they did with Sammy? I think maybe that's Sammy's Emmy. Mean, fuck all about him before he came to WWE. Fuck all experience, probably. I just and- didn't realise that... Kevin Owens had such a repetitive brand. <laughs> yes, yeah, Kevin Steen has just been... Randy Orton to still always turn on you. <laughs> he's, he's been kept in this horrible, like, hell, this personal hell for Kevin Owens his entire career. He's Being keeps held back. Held right? back over and over, constantly feeling the need to betray people, and no one ever once takes his side. Whereas this Sami Zayn lad is just kind of like, hey, let's steal all these cool moves from El Generico. He doesn't even speak any English. I'm on my way to the big time. I hope at some point WWE has an angle where they have like Kevin Owens and you've got Sami Zayn and El Generico and Chris Jericho. (laughs) Hey, Chris Jericho, El Generico, they sound kind of similar. Maybe Chris Jericho is El Generico. Oh man, yeah. Underneath that mask. But yeah, wouldn't it be awesome if you had all three of them team up against Kevin Owens and just beat the shit <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen in like Kevin Owens last match like before he goes away forever <laughs> all of his chickens come home to roost so yeah Generico Kevin Steen mask versus career we start this match off with a attempted handshake by Kevin Steen who's being all he's got a, a t-shirt of the two of them on and he's like rubbing his tummy being a big big old troll mm-hmm. and he gets spat in his face straight away such horrid spitting boys. We've seen a lot of spit in this match, and a lot of spit in the match. Spit in the match beforehand Seriously. as well. Seriously, gross. I don't like it. It's horrid. I love the intensity that this starts off with because I told you that there was like a year between the two points we're at here. I got from the get-go that El Generico was waiting a whole year to get his hands on this motherfucker Kevin Steen. So I have a question then, because you were saying that El Generico doesn't really speak much English. He, he speaks little to no English. And you said he also speaks little to no Spanish. You can say C, si, you can say no bueno. You can say um, K, because I've seen him say K. Uh, no, no bueno. Um, <laughs> Gracias, I think I've seen him say as well before as well. He more needs to communicate through that finger point. He'll so, wag that finger if he's upset. Yeah, I guess that was my my question then. Was so a year has passed. Mm-hmm. 
And I assume they want to keep building this rivalry. Yeah. How do you do that if he doesn't speak? Really, really good question. Like that's interesting. The fact he managed to to build that rivalry and have quite an intense rivalry. I mean, they would do s- simple things like Generico had a friend called Cabana who would kind of act as his proxy and speak on his behalf on a number of occasions. But they would a lot of the stuff that they would do. The two of them was was non-verbal. Like for instance, there was a big pivotal moment where Generico had been beaten up and taken out by Kevin Steen for a long, long time, and then there was a box left in the ring for Kevin Steen. He opened up the box and inside was Generico's old mask and he was like ah oh. so like mind game yeah so they do a lot of the stuff with Generico was non-verbal and it was mind games or him just kind of simply like pointing or simple things like that mm. a lot of people including the guy who was the booker for Ring of Honor around this time Jim Cornette thought that it was totally silly, you know. Yeah, I saw someone tweeted in about Jim Cornette saying apparently he hated El Generico and thought it was yeah. ridiculous. It's funny because he had Generico and Steen like on the roster when he took over and pretty much he let both of those guys go away because he didn't think that there was money in either of them because he thought that Kevin Owens was someone who didn't look after himself. He wrestled in a t-shirt and basketball shorts and he was putting on weight so he didn't take it seriously so Exciting. can't push him. Nice one, Jim Cornette. You uh, definitely made the right decision there. <laughs> and El Generico, <laughs> El Generico, he said, because he had this goofy gimmick, he wouldn't couldn't do a promo. He looked silly. He thought it was stupid and he didn't want to push it. Funny don't make money was his mantra. Yikes. And he thought that Generico's character was purely that of comedy. That seems a bit unfair because, yeah, he's funny, mm. but, like, obviously he's an amazing wrestler. Like, you see some of the shit that he does in these two matches and it's, like, ridiculously good. There's ways to look at it. I mean, you can look at it as in this person's main bread and butter how they get audience to react is to make them laugh. And that's how someone can view that. And if you're, the main way is you're going to make them laugh that the audience isn't going to enjoy it or the audience won't react like if you're in peril or in anguish or something like that. Now, as someone who grew up with his favourite wrestler being Mankind, who was Mick Foley's very goofy, silly alter ego and persona, who would have a sock puppet and yeah. do silly things, he made me laugh all the time. But if I saw him, and I did see him in situations where I was like, oh my god, this fucking, these people are beating him up, or he's been put in this horrible, unfair situation, that makes me more, yeah. more, because, oh my god, the poor guy, fucking, he's just a nice, <laughs> funny guy, and... Like, for me, seeing El Generico, happy, go lucky simple, happy dude, and he's been put into this horrible feud with this violent monster, <laughs> Kevin Steen. Jesus Christ, I mean, that's the only thing I want to see face off against Kevin Steen. is like, you know, he's so evil and such a force of ill will. I want to see something pure and happy go up against that and stand oh, up against I'm it. I'm not sure that this match could be called pure or happy. Mm, yeah, I mean... This is definitely the battle of pureness and happiness attempting to overcome nastiness. Yeah, early on he wraps a chain around Kevin's face and just kind of like locks oh, it in place. First he choked him with the chain. This huge fucking it looks like a real chain as well. Clonks him with it. It's heavy. Strangles him, clonks him with it, wraps it around his face. So Kevin is bleeding liberally from the get-go. It's like that iconic moment. With Steve Austin, he's got the blood pouring down his face. Yeah. That, but the whole match. (laughs) All right, I will say with Kevin Steen, I was impressed that he was able to bleed 
for so long and not so red like you know there's people who who they bleed and it's like uh oh I've cut myself too deep or it's too much and literally their entire face becomes this red curtain and Mm. they have to like end up the match pretty quick yeah he manages to have sustained dramatic bleeding also it's so it's so viscous and bright red it's not like that kind of murky brown blood it's that vivid looks like fucking paint like it's it's just like right in the center of his head it's just like dripping out and it travels (laughs) (laughs) oh boy does it ever now i thought off the get-go okay he's bleeding and joe how would you usually say your normal relationship with blood is it's a bit like this (laughs) oh god the blood oh god jesus we rarely see blood in WWE. Like, if we do, it's because someone's made an accident. Yeah, or it... because Brock Lesnar's done one match this year and they're like, may as well get our money's worth. <laughs> and if Brock doesn't get his satchel of blood, uh, he will... Destroy uh, the earth. Exactly, yeah. Of course, that's why they have to keep putting him on uh, you know, all these big high-profile events because he's cursed them. They haven't given him his satchel of blood this year. sacrifice <laughs> thrown into the Brock Lesnar volcano. <laughs> So, this was not your typical, uh-oh, Brock Lesnar's gone a little bit, you know, a little bit happy with his uh, his meal today. No. How would you describe the blood in this? It's just, it's everywhere. It's just, it's everywhere. There's so much of it. It's so red. And it's not like most wrestlers who kind of, there's this whole thing where if you blade, like, because that's obviously what has happened here. Yeah. That he suddenly, he emerges from underneath the ring, basically, and there's just thick blood gushing from his forehead. And like often in wrestling, if that happens, the wrestlers kind of try and ignore it. And yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I'm cool, man. I don't even recognize that. I've yeah, got yeah, blood yeah. on me. Whatever. <laughs> Not Kevin Steen. Oh, no. He, like, starts rubbing it in his hands and, like, touches everything. Like, he starts smearing it on the camera <laughs> and on, like, audience members. It's like in Arrested Development where you keep seeing blue paint everywhere. Yeah, the handprints. It's just like a randomly around, you know, WWE and Ring of Honor you see these red bloody handprints from Kevin! I'm afraid I've read myself. (laughs) (laughs) At one point he like rubs it all over El Generico's back. Oh, it's horrible. It was like finger paint. Yeah, it he was. He took literally. off and he was like, you Oh, know, God, yeah. Duh. Yeah, he literally he pushes El Generico onto the floor and, like, pins him on the ground, starts smearing blood from his face and, like, writing something on his back. I couldn't make out what it was he was supposed to have written. I, I honestly, I knew there was blood in this. But I honestly, I picked this one because I thought it was the less distressing of oh, the two. Oh, God. <laughs> Does blood like that have a place in wrestling for you? I mean, obviously we we watched quite a consolidated, potted highlight of like kind of the big angle and that kind of little few bits, and then here's the big match. Mm. Does blood like that, seeing as it's not part of your recommended daily diet of wrestling, is that quite jarring and has no place for you, or is it something you think can work for dramatic effects? It's not that it has no place for me. Um, I mean, I will be honest and say blood sports, not my thing, Mm. really. I'm a bit queasy when it gets to to lots of blood. I also think it's a bit reckless. Mm. Oh, yeah, particularly there's actually a part where... He's still with his own blood, but it's a part where he, after he busts up um, El Generico... Yeah, and he properly busts him up. Like, his hand is totally, like, dripping. And there's just blood coming from his eye and stuff. And yeah, you're right. He he licks... He takes El Generico's blood from his face and then licks his hand. And that is very dangerous. Listeners, do not try this at home. Okay? (laughs) Please. I've not even drank Joe's blood. Don't lick anyone's blood. (laughs) 
just just don't don't do it. It's very unhygienic. Please don't. Oh god, you look like you've gone a bit unwell there just uh. describing it. I was going to ask are there any bodily fluids which are more appropriate or less gross <laughs> for rest yeah. cuz Should have licked his piss, mate. He's <laughs> <laughs> pissed it all over the ring. <laughs> Get on the camera. He's <laughs> writing on someone in piss. Like. I'm just saying like would because I know there's certain with you the graph of bodily fluids because <laughs> there's certain bodily fluids you find very like I know you find vomit very funny piss and vomit are the two funniest ones but blood and shit are the upsetting ones <laughs> yeah. and spit is somewhere of a Spits, wild card yeah, a bit disgusting as well I don't know I'm not very but yeah to answer your question I, I do think there is a place in like the moment of bloodletting mm. I think there's an appropriate time where it's very powerful and have a big impact I think the image for a lot of people of when he goes over to Generico and he rips open the mask and he smashes him and like you just see you can just see like his eye and like his kind of his hair underneath and the blood coming through it looks like he's ripped his eyelid off or something it's proper nasty that's like a real like when I think of kind of of El Generico's fighting spirit or whatever or kind of an iconic moment for him that's the one where his mask is kind of like it's turned almost and he's trying to look out because he's got blood in one eye and it's been completely torn the, the mask that's like that's where that feud kind of gets to this next level for me is because you don't expect El Generico with his comedy and his mask and whatnot to get cut like this or to be like, oh shit, what the fuck? You don't expect those moments and yet you get them in this match. I think it kind of makes it more dramatic as a result to see kind of a happy-go-lucky character in that type of a situation. Maybe I needed to see more of the kind of the goofy El Generico stuff to really get that because I didn't find it mm. I mean, it had that impact on me. Yeah. It was very early on that you see a lot of blood. Yeah. Um, it starts off with Kevin's blood obviously and then it's Generico's blood as well. I, I don't know, it was all a bit too much blood mm. and shock for me personally mm. but i can totally see that maybe i'm missing a part of the story that would have made that really shocking because i know like something we're planning to do like way way down the line is that we want to do standalone feud episodes and how to wrestling where we look at one feud in detail and kind of look at it it's, it's in, in its entirety so i definitely think um steen and generico that's one which we could definitely like you could do hours and hours just on that one feud there's a lot of great stuff that these two did and not just in ring of honor across several different companies there are oh god when he gets out those chairs and he puts it on his face mm. and he does not just a leg drop which would crush him he does a somersault leg drop big kevin steen and he's much bigger here i think he's more heavy here than he is in wwe currently and he does that flip right on and he, he picks the chair afterwards and it's like literally disintegrates oh, melts so away horrible oh god <laughs> Poor Generico. I can only imagine that like his face was mangled after this match because he looks in such a bad way. Oh man! I wonder if one of the reasons why, if you're kind of if you've got a mask, you can get away with not having to bleed. And most like, sorry, I can't bleed. You won't be able to see it. Like, <laughs> well, you could hear. That's why Kane never had to bleed in his career. Like, sorry. <laughs> Maybe he's been behind the mask. <laughs> no one knows what it's like. So there's a really really horrifying moment here where we get the ladder gets pulled out and the ladder gets put on its side. That's the worst way for a ladder to be. And then it looks like you're going to get Generico onto it, but Generico just turns around, he slams Kevin Steen onto the worst part of the ladder. As in, if you got a ladder, one of the yellow warning symbols will show you wrestlers doing this and say not to do that thing. Yeah. 
I think it's really amazing that there's so many of the, oh my god, what the fuck, holy shit, holy shit moments from WWE ladder matches in recent years, particularly Money in the Bank matches that are from these matches that yeah. he's had. It's a lot of the stuff which Kevin Owens has been using. And I can only assume that Snake Sami Zayn, when he stole El Generico's moveset and a lot of his uh, repertoire, he stole some of these spots as well. But they've been incorporated into WWE ladder matches recently. I think it's really cool. Yeah. Steen sets up a table on top of a ladder. And one great thing about Ring of Honor is that because they keep throwing all this kind of bunting around everywhere, it keeps getting caught up. <laughs> so you've got this construct that's like a really battered fucking... The one ladder we've got, like, so make sure you <laughs> get your... Don't break it. <laughs> <laughs> make sure you get your money's worth out of it. Where It's due back in Wilco's at six. <laughs> it's all covered in all these like bits of streamers. So Steen looks like he's going to send Generico through this like massive construct. And he manages to run up the length of the entrance ramp and Generico dives through that little tiny crevice between the table and the ladder and he dives through there and gets a spinning DDT on Kevin Owens. That is incredible. Oh. How does one do that? Like, jumping's hard. Yeah. <laughs> he said, jumping that one time. It's the fact that he manages to... It's like he's jumping through a little letterbox. Yeah, because... You got when you, your brain is telling you to get small. You would kind of surely your body yeah, would put yourself in a way and traveling, but to get through that narrow gap. But also, you're a fully grown adult. You need to be so long. You get, like, yeah. yeah, you want to go through, but you got to go through quickly because if you don't go through quickly, you'll get caught up in the middle of it and fall down and get tangled in a ladder. It's the kind of thing that if you're like a centimeter or two off in your calculation you would hurt yourself in a very very severe hilarious matter this move would be extra hard for you to do because you've got all that extra length to get through <laughs> the gap and also i have my extra girth and depth as well <laughs> that would also make it difficult we get a <laughs> so many of these moves at the end are just like that's not the way you're meant to do that that's the dangerous way like they get a chair out and they open it up and they suplex onto the open bit of chair. <laughs> or like Kevin Steen does his pile driver sitting onto an already open chair. They destroy so many fucking chairs, it's ridiculous. <laughs> so we get some interference from Steve Carino and Cole Cabana, but the finish of this match comes with one of the most insane moves. This is one of El Generico's calling cards. It's funny because this is a move he used to tease all the time, but he very rarely hit. And this is the first time he hit it on Kevin Steen. He goes into the corner and he picks the person up for a, a, a suplex, but then he drops their head onto the turnbuckle and they fall to the outside. Mm. Do you remember the move I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. yeah. That was fucking ridiculous. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> Upsetting. So he manages to smash it with that incredible top rope turnbuckle brainbuster. Generico gets the chair, the very chair he was hit with the year prior, smashes Kevin right in the face. And Generico picks up the win, even with Kevin Owens begging off with the mask, saying, please, no. El Generico picks up a big win. Obviously, a very, very physical, bloody match. So, not maybe usually your normal cup of tea, but what did you think of this war between these two? I enjoyed it. There was too much blood for me, personally. Mm. So, I gave it three out of five stars. Okay. So, was it the, the blood... That will put you It was off. just, there was an awful lot of it. And it was a lot of me kind of not watching because I was hiding behind my hands, squealing. Some people have pointed out with Generico that a problem he had. And I think if there's anything we've watched which maybe exemplifies it, it could well be this match. Which is that it's too focused on big spots and not enough of a story 
being told between those spots. That's a really interesting point. Because I would find with both of the Ring of Honor matches we've watched, it's funny, I, I used to watch Ring of Honor all the time. I don't watch it regularly anymore. Yeah. I've not got an ability to watch it regularly. I've, I've not got easy access. But people used to always rag on Ring of Honor for having too many kickouts. Or it's kind of like, oh, it's a big, big move. Hit the finisher. Oh, he kicked out. Then he hits another finisher. Oh, he kicked out. And I used to always defend it up and down. But with both of these matches, I kind of felt there were one or two moments where it's like, don't do the pinfall, please, because you've just kicked out so many times now. I don't know. It's weird. That's really interesting. And you know what? I don't think I would have ever thought that. But the fact that you've just... The fact that you've mentioned it so soon after we've watched those matches, mm. and I was trying to pinpoint what it was about them both that didn't quite get me to be really invested, and I think mm. you're actually right, because a lot of the times I, as I was watching, I couldn't tell how far through the match we were. Ah, I was like, yeah. Like, I was like, oh, I don't know how much how much longer have we got left of this, and it's like, I literally had no idea it could have ended in two minutes, it could have ended in another 20. I had no idea. Because it feels no like idea. you're in that ending sequence for yeah. <laughs> quite a bit, like... Whereas a lot of times with WWE matches, you can kind of feel like, oh, well, we're probably coming up to the yeah, end Yeah, you now. can kind of feel like there's a climax. It's much more of a traditional story, I think. You've got the beginning, the climax, and the end. Yeah. I don't know, some people will make the arguments that having that type of a structure makes for predictability oh, and whatnot. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I completely get that. And I think maybe especially for like fans who've been watching wrestling longer than I have, mm. that might be more of an issue. I don't know. But it's an interesting one. I will say with... El Generico, there are no shortage of incredible matches to see with this man. I mean, if you type his name in, you can get your hands on some incredibly amazing matches for free on YouTube. I particularly would suggest people to look out certain ones from Jakara, including when he was part of 3.0A, and also when he took on the 1-2-3 Kid. Really, really exciting matches. One I really wanted to show you, Joe, but was just simply impossible to find, was he wrestled uh, Adrian Neville, who oh, was known Pac. as Pac back yeah. in the day. It's part of PWG there were two matches which are recommended but if anyone can point that in our direction or if it's something that you can get yourself definitely check those matches out we've had a lot of fun talking about the career and the style of El Generico but let's get into your tweets and your Facebook posts about the generic luchador El Generico Uh say uh, congratulations in si, si, muy bien muy bien that's what si. muy bien six years of these shitty stupid your promos suck, Generico. Yeah. Your English sucks, your Spanish sucks. You want to cut a real American promo, like a real American wrestler? Promo? Yeah, uh, interview. See, si, promo. Yeah. promo. Who, who don't you like? Who's no, no bien? Uh, no bien. No bien, okay, okay. Oh. Kenny Omega, Chuck Taylor. Good, oh. good, good, okay, promo. Talk, talk, talk. Promo? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Why, why, que no, que no, que no bueno. Kenny Omega, Chuck Taylor. Good. El generico número uno. Kenny Omega, no bueno. No bueno. Hold on. Here we go. I'm ready. Say what I say. Say. Kenny Omega y Chuck Taylor. Kenny Omega y Chuck Taylor. I want to piss in your boot. I want. I want to piss in your boot. Boots. And your ears. And your ears. Good. I want to eat your children. I eat children. I want to eat your children. Que no, no eat children. Children. Que? Go, say! I eat children! <laughs> like a buffet. Like buffet! Like, <laughs> let's spread the real. 
<laughs> Good promo. <laughs> Luke Buster Rhymes says, El Jericho was the first indie wrestler to draw me to that world. Beyond being a fun gimmick, he was absolutely compelling. Oh my God, yeah. I think there's something about him that, like even in a loaded environment, like if you know if you can stand out in 2008, 2007, 2009, those years when you had such a high caliber wrestling on the indies that's when you know daniel bryan all those big names seth rollins they were all you know either up and coming or on the scene or very recently had been there and i like that he was unique i think what was really important for el generico and something that really helped me get into indie wrestling a lot of ring of honor is that i thought all of ring of honor was was a bunch of lads who took themselves really fucking seriously yeah. boots and tights we don't need no gimmicks this is ring of honor it's about you know what happens in the ring that's all well and good, but I don't want to watch three hours of that. Yeah. But each night I saw Ring of Honor live, when Generico came out, I was like, fuck yes, it's this fucking guy, because he's totally different to everyone else. He is not this Mr. Serious Boots and Tights guy. He is a generic luchador who bounces around. We all get to chant Ole. That's fun. And I like that he was part of that show. I think, yeah, that's part of the beauty of his gimmick, I guess, is that you can instantly just glance at him and you know what to expect. Like, Kids is, loved him. He's the generic luchador. Yeah. Like, that. that's it. <laughs> it's like elevator pitch, perfect material. But like, I do end of times, like, at shows, particularly on Chikara, who do a lot of shows that are all ages and stuff, kids fucking adored El Generico. They absolutely Aww. got behind Because he's, like, a total cartoon character. Yeah. Rally Banana says, El Generico brought out the best in him and Kevin Owens. Never took his mask off, thank God. Yeah, God knows what's like underneath We don't there. know, it's thank God. I mean, might be a hunk. I don't know, it could be Heat Slayer. I am worried after what happened to Kevin Owens with that eye that he's just, like got some horrible mangled eye under there <laughs> he's got no eye left it's just like <laughs> nothing underneath there anymore but yeah i mean you want to talk about two guys who are just like destined to uh fight forever yeah <laughs> sorry I, that chant has ruined that phrase forever ironically enough yeah. but yeah kevin Owens is really fortunate the fact that he is you know two people in his career who we could wrestle any day of the week forever and it would still be interesting he could wrestle you know el generico at any point and i would always want to watch that likewise similarly eerily similarly he could wrestle Sami Zayn at any point i'd be more than happy to see that true true but what about if you saw Sami Zayn wrestle el generico forever what then i don't know i want to see el generico get his fucking own back on that no good thief Harry Green running over here on facebook.com slash howtowrestling where we always appreciate some of your more long form discussions and answers. For a period, El Generico was the greatest wrestler in the world that just so happened to be a comedy wrestler. It's like if Chaz and Days just happened to release the greatest album of all time. William Long writing here, El Generico was an example of a goofy gimmick on first regard that became secondary eventually to the true talent of the performer behind the mask. The name El Generico tells you everything and is good for maybe one laugh, but he had some fantastic matches, an absolute dynamite feud with Kevin Steen in his time. He was also incredibly funny. The best example of what I can think of this would be his good promo. Joe, did you see El Generico trying to do a good promo with Cole Cabana? I did, yes. That was very entertaining. I'm very, very concerned that he is going to eat my children. He's going to piss in your boots. Piss in my ear, you say? Oh, good God. <laughs> So El Generico, unfortunately, would have been around the end of 2012 when we last heard of him. And unfortunately, Joe, he's never wrestled since. That's uh, a shame. Yeah, it is. Generico someone so talented, so incredible, never wrestled since. And Am I right in thinking that 
Because I know I've heard people mention something about an orphanage. Yeah, um, he went to Mexico to um, tend to an orphanage and look after orphans. That's a bit of a random career trajectory. Well, someone's never watched Nacho Libre then to know that that is obviously something which all luchadors aspire to. (laughs) No, but I mean, yeah, just, you know, retired, his in-ring days are ahead of him. You look at the matches he was having with Kevin Steen. You know, the one I showed you, I said, was the, the least uh, violent of, of the other ones. So, I mean, you know, you can't keep having ladder wars and keep going forever. So, you gotta, you know, call it in. Gotta go look after some orphans down in Mexico. That's the way it is. And do you think he will ever make a return to... I say return, I guess he's never been. Will he ever go to WWE? I doubt it somehow. I mean, last I heard, someone told me that he died in a fire in the orphanage. But that's not been confirmed. Jesus Christ. But uh, as far as I know, we can't expect to see him anytime soon in uh, in WWE, unfortunately. That's really sad. Well, I hope he goes back to doing the indies at some point, at least. Well, if he does, he'll have a bright career ahead of him, El Generico. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this episode of How To Wrestling. Thank you all so much for your comments, your tweets, your Facebook posts, all of your help in helping put together today's episode about the generic luchador, El Generico. There's certain wrestlers we look at and we watch a few matches, we watch a few segments, and it's kind of always leaves me kind of going, if I want to show more stuff to you, Joe, or not. I don't know about you, but I certainly want to watch more El Generico stuff with you in the future. Yeah, definitely, me too. He seems like the type of guy who you can put on a match with and you can be guaranteed that you're going to get something exciting or entertaining. Yeah, I just wish it do more wrestling oh well unfortunately some candles burn too bright for this time on earth and can only be with us ever so shortly before they're required to wait in a window for orphans in an orphanage (laughs) in Mexico and thus was the career of El Generico Uh, as always if you're following us on iTunes SoundCloud or on Twitter make sure you leave us a rating or review Joe people want to follow us on social media how can they do that you can find us on Twitter and Facebook that's facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling and at how to wrestling on Twitter Yes, and don't forget, our next episode is going to be How to Sami Zayn. I can't wait for us to get into it. If you want to support How to Wrestling, you can do so. Head over to patreon.com forward slash How to Wrestling. You want to get access to over 30 bonus episodes reviewing all of the pay-per-views from SummerSlam 2015 all the way up to SummerSlam 2017 and other things in there as well like our Southpaw Regional Wrestling Review or Review of Snacks, Holy Foley, NXT Takeovers and more. Just become a $5 backer over at How to wrestling's patreon page that's patreon.com slash how to wrestling thanks everyone who backs us and makes this show possible it's a goodbye from me kevin and a goodbye from me joe i will see you next time on how to sammy zane see ya Hi there guys, it's your old pal Cowboy Kevin here again. Just to let you know this episode of How to Wrestling is brought to you by our fantastic backers over on Patreon. And this episode, How to Sami Zayn, was requested by Joseph Carr. Joe, thanks for your support and enjoy this episode, How to Sami Zayn.
Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of How to Wrestling, the world's first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to olay wrestling. Ever once again, I'm Cowboy Kevin Mann, joined as I am always by my better half and the eternally inquisitive Joanna Graham. Hello. How's things? Things are good, thank you. I noticed that you went back to a very standard hello now. You're kind of, you know... No gimmicks necessary, Joe Graham. Um, I mean, I wasn't really overthinking it that much. What could I have said alternately? How's it going? How's it going? <laughs> Come here to me. I would like that if you had a very Irish open. Come here you to me. You liar. You liar. You wouldn't like that. You'd Why is say that? I was making fun of your accent. <laughs> It's just a little behind the curtain peek. Sometimes, folks, very rarely, Joe will do an Irish accent trying to be me. And see, it's funny. I only do when Kevin asks me. (laughs) Yeah, it's when we're watching Scott Hall matches. Joe, today's episode is a very, very important one, a very, very exciting one. We're talking about one of the first wrestlers who actually got you into wrestling. Today's episode is about Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn. When we very, 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 very first started going out. Yes. I was, was I apprehensive to tell you about wrestling? (laughs) Yes. How would you describe it? You just didn't mention it for a long time. And then you mentioned that you had a podcast, and I think you probably thought you'd mentioned that you have a podcast, thinking I'd just go, oh, this is kind of cool. But no, because I was working at a company that wanted to do more podcasting, uh, so I was all like, oh, brilliant, can we use you as a case study? Can I do lots of research into your podcast? What's this about? Tell me everything. God, this relationship is just a case study that got out of hand in East Lincolnshire. Like. <laughs> and then you had to tell me, you had to admit that you watched wrestling. That wasn't easy, was it? Well, worse that you had a wrestling podcast. Oh my god, one of those. Scum. The worst of the worst. <laughs> I do recall a couple of things, like from very early memories of us going out, of things that helped get you into wrestling. Yeah. I know that the Scooby Doo WrestleMania movie is something that you watched quite early <laughs> on when we started going out. Yeah, that's true. I know I showed you the Shields and the Wyatts wrestling because I had this thing in my head, like most people assume that wrestlers all look a certain way and I was like I want to show her all these different bearded men (laughs) that aren't in regular wrestling gear I know you watched uh, you got a Mick Foley DVD quite early on I did yeah I bought it from Comic Con yeah because I'd watched a few Mick Foley matches and enjoyed them and wanted to try and learn more I think I knew that we were meant to be when I saw that you were drawing rock and sock connection pictures in your notebook Bad art. <laughs> but the first kind of week to week show that you and I really watched and kind of really started I don't know refining or exposing you to wrestling was NXT and NXT in early 2015 late 2014 would have featured Sami Zayn. Yeah, he was a massive part of NXT at that point. Mm. And one of the boys that really kind of got me into being a regular wrestling watcher, like a current day watcher of wrestling rather than clips on YouTube. What was it about seeing Sami wrestle or on the mic or what was it about Sami Zayn that connected with you because I think that was the first time I saw a wrestler make a connection with you Mm. yeah where it wasn't just me going look at this guy or whatever you know I think one of the first things that kind of got me 
liking Sami Zayn was the fact that you and a few others said how nice he was. <laughs> so I think I came into wrestling, obviously, with the, the common attitude of, oh, wrestling is a horrible place, it's a horrible business and a horrible industry, and everyone's just a dickhead and takes drugs all the time. So when you say, like, horrible, horrible in that, like, the people themselves are nasty yeah. or that it's a cruel thing? Or... I mean, there's, there is still, you know, aspects yeah. of it, and not as much as there used to be, but my, I think we've discussed this many times before, my, my attitudes towards wrestling were old fashioned mm. they weren't quite up to date and so when I heard that there were as a newer crop of wrestlers that were all about like positivity and diversity and all the good stuff which I kind of am very much into yeah. I was like oh maybe wrestling isn't this horrible macho club which is full of toxic masculinity <laughs> and men in tiny shorts I mean obviously the tiny shorts still a thing so did Sammy take your eye solely because he was a positive boy or were there things that he was doing in that wrestling ring that struck a chord with you? It started off that it's just because I heard he was he was genuinely lovely. Obviously, I knew that he was friends with Kevin Owens, mm-hmm. who is a big zoo boy. <laughs> big fan of the zoos. Um, and he's a family man. Yeah. It's always nice to hear. Um, but yeah, so I think that was like the first thing. It was like, oh, I'll give this guy a, a proper chance. Like, I'm, I'm on his team because he's nice. Mm. And then to see that he had this really cool flip de do style of wrestling that I really liked. It was quite like Seth Rollins style. Yeah. And obviously I loved Seth Rollins because he was a hunk. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I kind of, I think both both reasons got me into it. Do you remember the first feud which we watched with Sammy? Who he was feuding with over what? I remember him feuding with Neville at one point. That was it. Was it yes. Neville? Yeah. And do you remember what the story was with Neville? Because even though Neville wasn't necessarily trying to be a bad guy, what the story was. I know that Neville wanted him on his team for some reason. <laughs> and that's all I remember. Neville was the NXT champion. Right. And Sammy kept coming this close. That was it, yes. And he kept losing. And he kept coming closer and closer <laughs> and closer. I remember the time it was where... They're like had to restart the match, and I was like, "Sammy's finally gonna do it." And then Neville rolled him up like super quick and mm. bet him in like two seconds. And Sammy afterwards, he didn't even he didn't shout, he didn't scream. He was like, empty. He just sat there, and I think that was when I first realized that wrestling was maybe telling some stories that might be more appealing to you now. Because yeah. I mean, normally in wrestling, like someone loses, you start to be like, "What the fuck, man? This is bullshit." <laughs> Give me the and then beat someone up. Yeah. The fact that Sammy just sat there with a look in his face, like I've let everyone down. Mm. And just look like he would look at tears in his eyes, like my boy. And I remember the first time when we watched a full like feature show together. It was an NXT takeover. It was when Sammy finally beat Adrian Neville and finally beat him clean as well. And he finally won the big one. And how like oh god, it was just a moment. I just there was something about that. And if you're on the fence about getting your friends into wrestling or your loved ones into wrestling. Honestly, it's moments like that because yeah. I'll tell you, like, it's funny, I talk about it so often uh, with anyone who will listen to me. One of the most pleasurable things about watching wrestling with you is seeing you react to stuff like that when they try things slightly differently. And that just kind of filled me. I don't know, it's, it's, it's great to vicariously live through your phantom at times. <laughs> so, how would you describe Sami Zayn as a wrestler to someone who'd never seen him before? He's an underdog. Mm. He's a scar boy. A scar boy. His his gimmick is that he does scar dancing, and he's nice. Yeah. And he's flip D, and he has a long feud with Kevin Owens. When you say that he's nice, 
Why do you mean that he's nice? It's that he stands up for what he believes in. Um, he's not afraid to to say what he means if he thinks that someone is mm. injusticed in any way. Mm. Um, like most recently, he's had the whole Sammy for Syria movement. Where he's oh to, man, yeah. yeah. Have you heard about that? Yeah, so he's trying to raise, it was like $45,000. Yeah. And they've managed to raise it now. Yeah, yeah, he's is, had his first big goal yeah, with that. To raise money for a mobile clinic in Syria, which is like just amazing work he's done there I think we were watching Sammy wrestle for a good six or so months before you realised or oh it was not I f- realised you told me oh yeah yeah that he was Syrian yeah he's a no Syrian idea. his parents are originally from Syria so they emigrated to Canada and he was born in Canada so he is uh, Canadian born Syrian and he's Muslim as well yeah that's so cool which I think it's one of those things that I think a lot of people take for granted that there is this like Syrian Muslim wrestler who definitely is not fitting into any of the gimmicks or the things you would normally associate. Like the stereotypes. The stereotypes, yeah. yeah. It's funny because he, he said in interviews, like him growing up, watching like things like The Naked Gun or, you know, any show that had bad guys from like who are like Arabian remotely from like the Middle East, they're yeah. always bad guys. And he said his goal as Sami Zayn as this as his persona was to be just a guy mm. who happened to be Muslim. Which is literally exactly what he's managed to do. Like he what I love about Sami is that, you know, he is he's Syrian, he's Muslim, but it's not a stereotype. And it's I mean, not like I don't say it doesn't define him because obviously it's very important yeah, part of his culture and he, whatnot. And he definitely uses his um his platform as a as a famous man of Syrian descent and yeah. Muslim, he uses his platform and his fame to like raise money around those issues which don't normally get a platform to be discussed in like amongst those audiences obviously there is a lot of privilege I think that comes with him being able to do that because he's pale skinned yeah I think that's usually when most people they they react when they hear that Sammy is like is Syrian born or he's Muslim they're like what Mm -hmm. I didn't think a white person could be from Syria or a white person (laughs) could be Muslim and maybe that is that could fit into it because obviously you know there's a lot of maybe Muslim wrestlers who don't have the benefit yeah. of, of of that privilege who do then get put into quite you know stereotypical gimmicks yeah I mean Mustafa Ali is the kind of the, the exception to that I guess but even still his whole gimmick is you assume that I am this but I'm not like yeah. that it still informs part of his gimmick yeah but I think it's really cool for Sammy though that, oh, to be that awesome I, I love him so much I think it's so cool it's really really awesome as well for like any kids who are growing up yeah because I mean I can imagine what it's like growing up if you're a Muslim kid and you like wrestling (laughs) and you have not necessarily got a lot of strong role models there in one way or a form so yeah Sami Zayn he's flippy doo he's a very very nice boy I mean yes I think the fact that he is nice is probably one of the most important things about Sami we have heard oftentimes people meeting Sami that he is very very gracious very very nice person Uh, did you see the video of when Triple H and Sammy and a few people went to visit the victims of the Manchester bombing. No. Because you know the NXT show was meant to be on. Yeah. yeah. And it was cancelled. So they sent a few people over there. Sammy was one of them. And Sammy was just there talking for so long that literally at the end, Triple H and them were like, look, we have to fucking go now. And Sammy was like, yeah, yeah, just one second. So anyway, then I said to him, I said... (laughs) 
What a good boy. What a good boy. So, in terms of Sami Zayn matches, we had no shortage. However, one thing with Sami Zayn matches to bear in mind is that seeing as we've looked at every pay-per-view since SummerSlam 15, uh, those are all available on our Patreon page. We reviewed every single main event match that Sami would have had on pay-per-views since then. So, we're trying to look at non-main roster stuff by and large. The number one match that we were requested to see and is one of the most incredible matches of the last five years and almost definitely one of my favourite matches of all time is Sami Zayn taking on Cesaro from NXT in 2013. This match, Joe, is two out of three falls. How many languages does Cesaro speak? He speaks English, German, Italian, French and Schweizer Dutch. That's Swiss German. So that's five languages. Five languages. That's pretty cool. So he is quadlingual, sanklingual, <laughs> centlingual, pent- yeah. pentlingual. I think is that pentlingual. What? <laughs> term for when you can speak five languages. Cesaro's Wikipedia page comes up. <laughs> okay, so when someone can speak five languages, you call them multilingual. Oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> well, as I was to say, it's a battle of the multilinguists here because Cesaro can speak five languages. Sammy is trilingual. Oh, wow. Speaks English, French, and Arabic fluently. Sometimes I like to think about how all these really talented superstars are like way more accomplished than I am even if they weren't wrestlers like <laughs> some of the best wrestlers in the world they're still putting an ordinary person like me to shame <laughs> fucking three languages you don't no need to game. wrestle you can work for fucking like a video game company you could translate you know mobile games for the rest of your life easy money mate <laughs> I love how Sammy came into NXT. This was like his initial feud was with Cesaro. Like his very first night in NXT, he beat like Kerr Hawkins really, really easily. And then later on, Cesaro was like, anyone want to challenge me? And he came out and he beat Cesaro. Oh, wow. So in his first night, they were like, yeah, Sammy Zayn's going to be a big deal because Cesaro wasn't part of NXT. He was like a visiting veteran. Like, oh. So the whole story of this is that Cesaro is... The long-standing veteran, he knows the inside of the ring like no one else. And here's this guy, Sami Zayn, who before he debuted in NXT, Joe, a very, very patchy resume. A very patchy resume indeed. Barely like he's wrestled at all before he came to NXT. So what had he done before? I thought he'd done the indies before he came to NXT. Well, there were some indies I found him under very, very way back. Like there's a massive like seven, eight, nine, ten year gap almost. Because he started wrestling when he was 18. He trained as a backyarder. So he just, you know, was self-trained for most part. And then over the years, he attributed a few people like Savio Vega, a guy called Malice, who helped, you know, pick him up along the way. But he never had a formal three months, you are learning to wrestle now. Here's your wrestling training. So he learned bits here here and there. Stevie McFly is what I saw him wrestle under as. What, seriously, that was his name? Stevie McFly. That's the worst wrestling name ever. Oh, oh my God. God. So, right, you know Sammy is a straight up boy here? Yeah. Yeah, well, this is if Sammy, Sammy here we're seeing right now, he's had two goes of the boy stone from Pokemon, okay? <laughs> from, from Pokemon Boy. He's had two worlds of that. And he has evolved. Stevie McFly is very much the unevolved Sammy Zane. As in, he's got a big silly trucker hat. He is the skinniest looking teenage boy ever. And he wrestles in like a little t-shirt. Yeah, Google Stevie McFly for yourself. Stevie McFly. 
That's him. No way. Yep. Stevie McFly. He's got such red hair. I know, young red boy. So if you want to see Stevie McFly, a.k.a. young boy stone Sami Zayn, you can Google him versus XS, who's got a number 69. Simpler times, Joe. Simpler times. Aww. But yeah, by and large, Sami Zayn here, total rookie in his uh, feud with Cesaro. And I love that this is two out of three falls because they've had their rematch. They have one win apiece. So this is how we settle the score. Two out of three falls. And Sami Zayn comes out and he's all happy and fired up doing his little little angry music and it doesn't suit him. What's the music that he normally has? England! England gonna win the football because they've got the best players. <laughs> he's got um, he's got really dark hair here. Yeah, longer Sammy. hair as well. That's neat. Mm, like his later career, yeah, long hair it suits him. I like as well on his tights. He's got all the different uh, countries he's been to. Uh, he's all different countries, all the different languages he can speak. Yeah, he's got fucking. He's, that's actually how I was like, why has he got Arabic on the side of his? trunks and that's why I looked up about it and found out I was like oh shit I didn't know that like <laughs> so that was how I initially found out that's really cool I like when Cesaro comes out though he's not all like dancing around he literally looks like he's fucking right come on now then he's he's so pissed off he's absolutely furious he has to wrestle this poor fucking rookie again <laughs> Immediately as he's coming out, though, Sammy dives on him and hits his finisher, and he gets the first fall within, like, ten seconds. So he completely catches Cesaro off. He does such a good job here, Cesaro, of making Sammy Zayn out to be this, like, fuck, this kid has got some sort of explosive quickness to him. For some reason, just even saying that, it's funny that Goldberg and Sammy Zayn are both men doing the same job. And, you know, for the same company, like yeah. But it's just weird that those two—they're so different. They are. They're so different. <laughs> I would like to see one. I would like to see a freaky five way, a freaky five day with uh, Sami Zayn and Goldberg. That would be amazing. I think it'd be great. Sami Zayn can't even overthink his matches anymore now that there's only two moves. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? Uh, I know you don't usually pay much attention to the commentary. Mm. Why is it usually commentary is not your your bag? Because I have seen commentary with Jerry Lawler on it. <laughs> Burn. It's, it's self care at this point to not listen to the commentary. Joe's arms are straight up folded right now, like she ain't taking no shit. Like I will not listen. I refuse. It's it's just the safer thing to do. Right, our commentators here. We had a couple of really interesting points. One, one of the commentators was Alex Riley. Could you guess what feud Alex Riley, what one feud with one wrestler he's been in in his life in this? Um, give me one guess. Is yeah. it The Miz? It is The Miz, yes. Amazing. How did you know? Because even though I don't listen to the commentary, I couldn't block out the repeated mentions of The Miz. <laughs> oh, this is just like that time I fought The Miz. Oh, this reminds me of The Miz. Oh, The Miz is so great. Ooh, go There's fucking a- marry The Miz if you love him so much. There's a part where like Sami Zayn's starts making a comeback and Alex really goes yeah that's just like I had to do when I stood up to the Miz two years before this and he lost the feud oh my god (laughs) after that feud you became an announcer I'll tell you what though, he was good in glow, Alex Riley. He was good in glow. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. stick to 
stick to TV, Alex Riley, and off commentary. We also get the incredible uh, line of commentary here regarding Cesaro, who is a former United States champion. Cesaro, he's the ninth longest reigning United States champion in history. That's unprecedented. <laughs> it is precedented. In a matter of fact, there is such a precedent, eight people have done it more <laughs> precedented than he has. Literally the most precedented thing you've said all night on commentary. <laughs> Cesaro controls this match with crazy ass power moves. And something I love so much about Sami Zayn is that similarly to El Generico, he has got the real like over the top makes it maybe seem like a like a ragging on it like it's a bad thing but he has got those big body movements yes. where he's kicking out he's reaching totally. you know he throws his body around some people think oh it's a bit silly a bit over the top or whatnot but like I always view it like I, I've done a little bit of, of the old community theatre. Yeah. I know you've done similar yeah. things. And when you're on a stage, you gotta... You have to overemphasize everything for the people at the back who can't see you. And I think he does an incredible job at that. Yeah. Coupling with the fact that I think Sami Zayn has got some fucking incredible facial expressions. Mm. It's something which you've ragged on a lot of wrestlers for doing. Yeah. Can you explain what your problem is sometimes with wrestlers' faces? If you're going to be knocked out, fucking close your eyes. Or at least glaze over your eyes. Don't just be like, well. Yeah, if you can't glaze over your eyes, close them. You can't be all looking alert and shiny-eyed and bright-eared. Is that a thing? Bright-eared. I've just made that up. Bright-eared. Your eyes, your ears are bright. You're full of piss. You're full of vinegar. (laughs) We get a chin lock by Cesaro and he like picks Sammy up and throws him around. And more to your point, Sammy passes out in this chin lock, which is usually just meant to be a rest hold, but they play it up like it's vicious. And Sammy's eyes, they glaze over like a six pack of fucking Dunkin' Donuts. It's unbelievable. He's like... He doesn't tap out. He just kind of whispers like he's asking for a cigarette before he dies. (laughs) (laughs) Cesaro with some incredible feats of strength here as well. We get Sammy out on the apron and Cesaro does a superplex from the apron all the way out through the ring over into the ring. You give yourself a hernia doing something like that. It's incredible. Okay, we've heard that El Generico is a very gifable wrestler. I would say that Sami Zayn is very much in that uh, category as yes, well. Yes, definitely. There is a moment where... <laughs> trying to describe this move. It's like a super duper sunset flip powerbomb where Cesaro gets Sami up onto his sh- shoulders and Sami goes way and they do a full 360 while levitating somehow yeah. in the yeah. air yeah, and yeah. then land square on their backs. Yeah. Whoa! They've somehow generated their own... What do you call it? A centrifuge. <laughs> yes, that's what they've done. The centripetal force has made them levitate off the ground. It's somehow. ridiculous. It's it's it's. I have no words. This match is just is stupidly good. Like you could usually have one feat of strength like this, but the fact that they do so many in a row, it's kind of like. There's so many of these where if they had won in a match, you'd be like, okay, yeah, you got lucky. You could do this one thing. But every other move in this third fall is some ridiculous fucking feat. Yeah. Like the ending point where Sammy does the diving, spinning tornado DDT through the turnbuckle. Fucking stole that one from Jericho. Yeah, true. God, he, he can't even watch as well. He spent all of his money so the orphans could have grain and now you fucking... 
taking his moves. Ridiculous. So Cesaro is laid out. And this little story here, the fact that he's so laid out that the referee has to count to the number of nine. No one's chanting ten. The good old days. Yeah, I remember when. <laughs> and then Cesaro just gets into the ring. And the second he's in the ring, Sammy jumps on him straight away to pin him again. So he's straight away has to get back on the defense. Sammy gets caught midair. And Cesaro... It's like Sammy is a jug of hot soup. And he has to run around going... <laughs> but not spill any of the soup. But the soup is squirming around and trying to reverse this attack. And also, you really want to hit an uppercut on that soup and not get any of it on you as well. Which he yeah. manages to do. He like muscles Sammy up while rolling around, running around the ring in a circle... Throws him in the air, uppercuts him, which Sammy sells like he's been shot in the head. Yeah. Oh my god. And a big scream and neutralizer. Cesaro wins, but that is very much one of those matches where Sammy, in losing, looked like a total champ. Which is a lot of his career. Yeah, I wonder what you thought about that because Sammy is someone who, by and large, I mean, if you go back and check out our review episodes, Sammy don't win. A whole lot. No. I know when we reviewed Battleground recently and it was Sammy versus Mike Canellis, and we were like, Sammy won. Oh, geez, I hope everything's okay with Mike. Is he all right? Like, <laughs> is that, like, I know we can, it's easy to sit and say, ah, it doesn't matter if he wins or he loses. But as a Sammy Zayn fan, does his win loss record ever bother you? Mm, it bothers me when you've got the commentators being all like, Sammy loses again, <laughs> which is a bit like, yeah, maybe don't draw too much attention to that fact. Mm. Like, he works as an underdog, he doesn't work as a loser. Yeah, I kind of feel like we talked about it in our Daniel Bryan episode, uh, it was one of my favourites for us to record, which was them maybe thinking that because Daniel Bryan lost a lot and, you know, when he got over as part of you know, the Yes movement and got into the main event of WrestleMania... I wonder if that means they think that, oh, well, if you're an underdog, then that means you're going to get super over. And if you're an underdog, that means we have to beat you lots. Yeah, and I don't think that works. Mm. It's not just about being beaten all the time. It's about the ebb and flow and the challenge and overcoming obstacles and hardships. Because I feel like with Sammy, when he was wrestling, say, the likes of Braun Strowman on the main roster, I think that actually did Sammy quite well, even though he lost all the matches. But it looked like Sammy had just enough fight in him that he could possibly, you know, pull something off. Well, like his feud with Adrian Neville is kind of like a perfect example of of Sammy Zayn in his peak environment, where he's getting to show off just how good he is against an opponent who is ridiculously good as well Mm. but just you know through the skin of his teeth he doesn't quite make it either because of bad luck or because his opponent is just that good i think yeah there's definitely ways to have sammy lose but he loses in a way where you know that he's good enough like i kind of think of sammy and bailey in very similar boats Mm. in terms of that they're both underdogs but they're their positive attributes and what makes fans love them so much is that they just try and mm. try and try their best and never stop trying. And like that's the part of them that you're supposed to admire as a fan, I think. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they win or lose. It's just the fact that they will get up and try again. I guess I feel with sometimes with, with that type of character, they have to have the big win when it, when it counts. Yeah, at exactly. Some point. At some point, they've got to at least almost reach it. Yeah. And as well, it can never be the fact that it's their own incompetence that has meant that they haven't achieved something. It's got to be that, that there's a hardship, there's something, there's an obstacle, there's something in their way and they've got to overcome it. I mean, you've got to think of it as a normal narrative, as a story. And as someone who has, you know, followed Sammy 
you know, from the start of his career in NXT, um, would you say you're satisfied with his narrative? No! Oh my god, he's been so wasted on the main show. <laughs> it's really sad. Yeah, so would you say, is it, what is it about the way they've booked Sammy that's not appealing to you? It's just the fact that he keeps losing. Mm. And they keep putting him in matches where I am very... I'm pretty confident, in fact, that they're saying, yeah, don't do not do too many of those impressive moves. We don't want the fans to be too into you now, do mm. we? Don't want to make them too excited. Feels like he's holding back a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's funny that he'll give, or seemingly give more on this match, which was meant to be on free NXT. This wasn't even an NXT TakeOver. This is just on NXT. from all, It's from May back in 2013. It's funny that, yeah, that he'll give you everything here, and yet on pay-per-views now, oftentimes it feels like you're not you're only getting a couple of moments from Sammy. But then doesn't that feel that way generally with wrestling at the moment? Yeah, it like does, the actually. The matches have not been as good. Yeah. And like the match that we cover next with Sammy versus John Cena was at Raw. Yeah, that's true. Again, another non-pay-per-view match yeah. that over-delivers. So with Cesaro and Sammy, how many stars would you give that? I have given it five out of five stars. Whoa! I thought it was, I, honestly, I, apologies in advance, guys. There's not many notes for this match because I was just in awe about how fucking amazing it was. It was It's ridiculous. They are, they're doing magic. You know when... Uh, we started this I was like don't be the person who turns around to someone and shows them like Hell in a Cell or TLC and be like this is wrestling because you're trying to overcompensate and show off all the crazy stunts that can happen in wrestling but generally don't I really think in terms of a redefine what you think wrestling is to most people who would have the types of views that the negative views maybe about wrestling that a lot of people tend to have if they've not seen any I think if you show them Cesaro and Sami Zayn there, I mean, it's only like 15 minutes long. Yeah. It engages you. It's a very easy to follow story. Two hunks. Two hunks as well. I don't know. I think that's that's the type of match I would... If I was to show someone who had never seen wrestling before wrestling, I think that would be one of the first ones I'd show them now. I don't think it would be one of the first I'd show personally. Not to say that a new wrestling fan wouldn't enjoy it, but mm. I don't know if it's the kind of thing I would have appreciated as much. Right, yeah. As we said like before, it's, it's the narrative that's really mm. the most important thing, I think. And this did have that. But the most impressive aspect of this match, I think, was just the ridiculousness of the wrestling moves. Yeah, it's incredible. All, all made even better of the fact that Sammy sold for so well for so many of these moves. And likewise with Cesaro, these guys made each other look so fucking good. Yeah. Speaking of making someone look good, coming up next, this was a very, very, very important pivotal moment in Sami Zayn. Unfortunately, it epitomizes his career in some ways more than others that we would like. This was Sammy getting his main roster debut, his big shot against Big Match John, the United States Championship Open Challenge, where Big Match John lets anyone come out and challenge him for his belt. You want some, come get some. Just so happened that they are in Montreal, where Bret Hart announced hometown boy Sammy Zayn is coming out to challenge John Cena. So there's sustained anti-John Cena singing in mm-hmm. Montreal. <laughs> yeah, the John Cena sucks chance. It's weird hearing them these days. Yeah, it's because John's is not around as much anymore. He's in Hollywood, like... I think it's because... <laughs> People chanting that on a red carpet, like, you know, <laughs> boo, all the TMZ throwing things out of like, boo. I know, it's interesting, because, like, we did How To John Cena. It was, like, our first or second episode. Second episode, And think, yeah. so it was two years ago, to, mm. almost to the month. Like, we're a month away now yeah. from, from it being two years. 
And at the time, John Cena was such a divisive character in WWE. We like the tweets we got were so like, you know, some people hated him, some people loved him. Some people still do hate him. I haven't seen that at all in months. I haven't seen anyone say a single bad thing about John Cena in ages. Now I'm not as involved in the internet wrestling community as I was about a year ago. Mm. So it could just be that I'm just not seeing it as much. But like I think it's since he's done that open challenge and since yeah. he's done Southpaw Regional Wrestling and since he's done all those he's you know, he's he's followed through on his comedy career in Hollywood. He's he's shown he's actually as good as we all hoped it'd be. I think you're definitely right, that US championship open challenge thing just completely like that's that's really if you think about it like because that's what brought him versus kevin owens which is yeah. those first series of matches where he you know he lost and people were like oh shit john cena can actually wrestle and you know that spun off into him wrestling rusev and you know he had a lot of feuds with guys lower down the cards and of course i think you know what really turned a lot of people on in the last year is definitely his feuds with aj styles yes and i think it's become to the point with John now where it's like, look, he can wrestle. Yeah, of course Clearly he can. Clearly he can. He brought a good match out of Roman Reigns. A re- like a solid five-star match. And I know I go on about it all the time, but it was a great match. It's amazing. He is very, very capable, John, of having incredible matches with pretty much everyone if, like, if the circumstances dictate. And it's kind of like he wrestles so infrequently now that... Pretty much every other match you can have John Cena have now is a dream match in some yeah. way, shape, or form. So, fuck yeah. I mean, if you're still like, boo, go away, John Cena, when he's coming out now, it's like, man, fucking, you don't, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. Seriously. And the show's better when he's there than when he's not. <laughs> I, I just, I love him. I think he's a very talented wrestler. I think he's exactly what the WWE needs as a face of the company. Hey, who would you rather, wrestling fans, who would you rather having out there with your fucking back? Personable John Cena, who can defend you in Chinese as well as English? <laughs> yeah. Who else do you want out there? Fucking Baron Corbin. He won't even take the interview. He'll be too busy moping at the motorcycle club. Bullshit. <laughs> so, Sammy comes out and gets one of the biggest pops I think I've ever seen. He is so jazzed up. He looks like he has an electrical demon flowing through his body. He is buzzing. And then he comes out and he throws his hands up. And you told me that this is the match where he injures himself before he even gets in the ring. And it's the saddest thing ever. And I remember this now and it was horrible. Ooh. I'd repressed this memory. It might have helped the fact that when they had hold Sammy... Because we went to see NXT Live when Sammy when he came back. This, we saw Sammy's kind of comeback tour when he did the UK tour from this injury. But it was funny, all the videos about the injury, they were like, yeah, something went wrong. And they kept showing John Cena doing back suplexes on him, as opposed to throwing Throwing his hands up. up, It's a fucking awful way to injure yourself. Feels like if like I like if I was like an awkward teenager, like, oh I'm gonna come wrestle. Oh I broke my arm throwing my hands up. Oh. That's happened to a few people, hasn't it? Like didn't Randy Orton was it Randy Orton? Yeah. He threw his hands down on the yeah. ring and broke his wrist. And didn't Daniel Bryan do some? Lo- it's ha- yeah, loads of things like that have happened to people. And like yeah, I'm not by any way like advocating yeah. giving him a hard time or thinking <laughs> that. it's just literally the most unfortunate fucking thing. Yeah. Hometown. Bret Hart is the fucking says, come on down. This is John Cena. <sighs> it is. It's, it's the worst luck ever. This is the worst luck. And it, the horror, the really horrible thing is the circumstances around this, the fact that he injures his hand yeah. through not wrestling before he gets in the ring. Bret Hart there in Montreal against John Cena. 
it's yeah. such typical Sami Zayn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, it's the whole story yeah. because then the whole feud after with Kevin Owens, <laughs> yeah. they spin off from this, which is like, you know, you're you're never good enough. Like you're you you got injured. I'm here. I'm not injured. They should have put their faith in me instead of you. <laughs> like, oh my god, it's so sad. So it's really apropos, I guess, is Sami's incident here, and it's horrid. And the really saddest thing is that. You can see he's hurt his hand and he's like kicking himself. He's just getting in the ring. He's warming up, you know, flexing on the, the ropes and everything. And he turns to the camera and he's got milk in his moustache. No! And he's injured his hand. Oh, no. John Cena's seen all the milk in his moustache and he's all embarrassed now. Oh, God. Stop it, please. Bret Hart seen it too. Wipe your goddamn moustache, Sammy. Oh, God. This is fucking horrible. <laughs> So, yeah, he tries to go straight away. And, like, you can tell everyone's, like, kind of on eggshells. John's like, you sure you want to do this? And, like, they do a couple of moves and John goes over to the ref and he's like, check his shoulder. (laughs) Please check. The referee, did you see what the referee did? No. The referee went over and he made an X like this with his wrist and his forehand, which is referee terminology for this is not... uh, part of the story. Oh, this shit. This wrestler is actually hurt. Right. So if you ever see in wrestling, the, the cameras always try to avoid it if possible, but oftentimes the situation, just the referee does it, you know, walking by the camera. You see the referee do over his head like that, it means, yeah, something's, something's gone wrong. It's oh wrestling God. terminology for this is not a this is not a drill. That being said, they have in recent years done angles where they they've thrown up the, the oh X, my like, goodness get us marks Double good and proper swear. yeah. So John does some very careful offense and just by circumstance of the fact that Sammy everyone knows he's hurt and then he's like starts hitting Sammy and everyone hates John already. It's like. People are out for poor John's blood at the start of this one. That was a fiery crowd. So it looks like John's about to put him away like pretty handily, like straight away. He goes for his You Can't See Me five knuckle shuffle and Sammy manages to reverse it. Mid hand in front of the face waving, Sammy gets him in the reversal. Love it. And then he gets his submission, the Koji clutch in, and John Cena pulls a face that honestly was so silly, I'm surprised is not already a meme. Yeah. As in John would, Whoa! <laughs> and a big crash zoom on him. Going, John, you've forgotten your wife's anniversary. <laughs> there is a moment in this match where, because like watching this match, knowing that Sammy is hurt, it's obviously difficult. Yeah. But if you were to watch this match and not know that Sammy was hurt, you could very easily just think, oh, they're doing a little story or a gimmick here. Because Sammy does moves later on in the stretch that. You would assume you wouldn't do. Yeah, like the suicide dive through the turnbuckle. <gasps> oh! Ow! Fucking ow! And you can see he, that oh, he yeah. bops it on the rope. And like normally that wouldn't be anything. So it's like his wrist or his hand or it's something. Like, yeah, the back of his wrist. Because you pointed out later on on his tape, you could see a little a blood. Little bit of blood, yeah. Oh, do you think he caught it on like? Because you know, there's bolts and twisty bits in there. I have absolutely no idea. All I know uh... is he, he definitely knocks his his hurt wrist while he's going through that turnbuckle, and it's like the kind of thing that like if he wasn't already injured, it would like wouldn't even leave a bruise. It's yeah. Tiny, but like because it's. Oh, it'd be horrible. I was getting phantom pains thinking yeah. about it. Like, because when he sits up from that, you he has got see. that. Like, you can't sell that face. He's got like a cat is just like licked a lemon. Like, <laughs> it's just this horrible. Like, fucking, I am in the worst agony imaginable right yeah. now. 
So the fun thing about that, though, is that like he has killed John Cena by and large. He is totally out. But now little Sami Zayn, with one arm, is trying to pick up 300-pound muscle tank John Cena. And he's like, eh, eh, can't pick him up. So he manages to finally slither him into the ring and John Cena immediately hits his finisher. But Sammy kicks out, showing that heart and that determination. But after a blue thunder bomb, Big Match John hits another attitude adjustment. Sammy Zayn unfortunately defeated in the open challenge. And a moment which really like almost makes me cry when I yeah. see it. When John like he goes around the long way to hold up his right, his you know the arm that's not hurt. Well, first, he reaches out to Sammy, as then like, "Come on, I'll I'll raise your arm up." And Sammy literally like crawls away, like ashamed, like, "No, I'm not worthy," like mm. clutching his arm. And then John like repositions himself so he can help Sammy up. And yeah, like you said, he goes around, so he swaps his arm so he can lift his arm up without hurting him. But the moment where he lifts up Sammy's arm and everyone's giving a standing ovation, Sammy's just shaking his head like, yeah. nope, I've, I've fucked up, I've blown it. Like, I think Sammy, like, just in his head, like, that night is just, like, was a total disaster and a catastrophe. That being said, I mean, in terms of a main roster debut and a debut that is, like, here is Sammy Zayn. Yeah. Like, if you had only watched Wrestling Passing and you turned this on, you would have been grabbed in by this. Just that emotion of that story. Yeah, honestly, I think I think this is one of the matches which you could show anyone mm. and they'd get it. They'd get wrestling. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. This is the underdog. This is John Cena. Who you can even see why of. people would not like John Cena in yeah. some respects. Like, oh, he's fucking got to win again. Why like, you not yeah. like him? But also why you can see why you might like yeah. him. Yeah. Because he's like he's a he's a team player, isn't he? Oh man, that's and such then, a fucking heartbreak. And John leaves the ring first and. Sammy's there, clutching his arm, looking miserable. <laughs> we saw, I think, that footage of Sammy in the ring with everyone cheering so many times because Sammy, like, you know, had a long road coming back from that injury. I think he was originally meant to go into the main roster after this, but instead he had to take time off, rehab the injury. He came back into NXT for a bit, and then he made his debut the following uh, January, Royal Rumble. That's when he came back in to fight with Kevin Owens. Yeah. So we got to see an amazing series of matches. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn have had amazing matches. Uh, Battleground from last year, actually, is a particular standout, if you've not seen them. Of course, we've reviewed all of Sami's main roster matches for Patreon. But I just think it was fun to sit down and chat about Sami Zayn. I mean, I know it's someone who's... Have you cooled off on him, would you say? I don't want to... I know it's something we mentioned on the pay-per-view reviews before about shifting attitudes to Sami Zayn, but is he still one of your boys? Where does he stand in your fandom? I will always love Sami Zayn. He will always be one of my true boys. Um, OT boy. OT boy. But it's, it's, it's just such a pity that they've booked him so badly on the main show recently. Hmm. It's like they gave him this amazing feud with Kevin Owens and they kind of did it all too much too fast, realised that and then cut it off cold turkey and didn't mention it again at all and instead was mm. like, let's give Kevin Owens this amazing title run and lots of interesting feuds and let's get Sammy, what, fighting Baron Corbin occasionally? Oh, jeez. The occasional match against like Dolph Ziggler or... Yeah, I think that's the problem is that everyone wanted to see that feud, the Kevin Owens feud. Yeah. And we got it. But unfortunately, I don't think the other stories that Sammy has been put into are not even half as compelling as the ones that 
when he was with Kevin. Whereas Kevin Owens immediately moved on to the Chris yeah. Jericho stuff, which was very, very interesting. It had loads of twists and turns. I feel like, unfortunately, Sammy has not got that other dance partner other than Kevin Owens. <laughs> but it's it's that's, like, ridiculous, though. Like, why hasn't he got that dance partner other than Kevin Owens? Because we've seen that he can do this. Like, Adrian Neville. Mm. That was one of his best feuds. Yeah. And, like, there's no reason they can't just... Do that again. Yeah, it's You've true. You've got more than enough heels on the main roster at the moment to put Sammy against one of them and be like, right, okay, your job for the next year is to try and beat this one guy. It's funny because, you know, there's one person who I've always wanted to see a feud with and everyone's going to probably make fun of me for this. But just because Sammy is that pure white meat baby face, that guy who just doesn't want to let hopeful hopelessness and fear ever win, he will always stand true for, for good things. I'd love to see him feud with Bray Wyatt. Really? Yeah, because I think because Bray always goes on about this shit, and it's not relevant. He's like trying like Seth Rollins. You're like a you know torchbearer for hope. No, he's fucking not. He's a weird, (laughs) greasy weasel rat man. Whereas Sami Zayn, I think Bray could do his whole like, "You are happiness. I am the absence of happiness." In an alternate universe, I would agree with you, but Mm. I just know that. Come on, I mean, if you imagine that there was a match on SummerSlam this month that was going to be Sami Zayn versus Bray Wyatt, would you be excited? If they do, like, psychological warfare and, like, Sami starts, Yeah, but they won't, though, will they? I don't know. Sami could get in that head. No, because both Sami and Bray are badly booked at the moment. So that's not going to end well. I think think if they had continued booking Bray as well as they used to and, like, actually give them some proper fucking powers... Let them win occasionally. So uh, we could do magic on Sammy. That's what I mean. Like yeah. that would be fun. But they're not going to do it because Bray Wyatt always loses. <laughs> yes, but Sammy does as well. So we come on. Something's got to give, Joe. All I'll say about Sammy is that I think that he's one of those guys that they take for granted at the moment. I think because Sammy always gets a reaction. He'll always put on a good match. Mm. He'll always get a pop out of the people. And I think it's just a matter of waiting for when they realise, oh shit, Sammy could actually work well in this role here or we could put him in this feud with someone here. Because I kind of feel like he is this ultimate utility player that they have refused to utilise for a long time now. So I'm kind of hopeful for the future for Sammy because I think he has so much to offer and he's so talented. And as well, you want a positive role model, a positive spokesperson for WWE. Never mind you know, religion or heritage or anything like that, straight up just as a guy who's fucking all about nice things. Yeah. Like, all the stories about him being super considerate and nice, and people make fun of him for it, like... Do they? Well, did you have you seen the backstage things that they deal with in the backstage interviews where Sammy is like overthinking everything and being all annoying and stuff. I've seen one where he was like over preparing for a match with Randy Orton and I forget who the other person was. AJ. Oh yeah it was AJ yeah and but that kind of worked because Randy Orton's just a little dick who's like throwing a bit of a tantrum that he has to actually plan something and AJ Styles AJ Styles so it was just funny I didn't come across that one in particular yeah I think they've done it a few times where it's Sammy is kind of like oh we have to be super prepared and I've got all these notes and I've you know done some research I've got diagrams and everyone needs to listen to me and it's it's basically like Sammy's a little bit neurotic in real life I think that's cute I think that is cute I'm neurotic I can relate to that <laughs> it's, it's funny because I remember watching there was some shoot interview thing and it was like Cesaro and Kevin Owens or something like that and they were talking about like Sami Zayn in IRL it's like if you're eating food with Sami Zayn you don't eat food with Sami Zayn you are eating 
the greatest meal. Can you imagine what a great meal this is on this beautiful day at this fucking fantastic table with my best friend <laughs> and these amazing knives and forks. I'm so thankful. Oh, I bet this bite is going to be great. It is. It was a fantastic bite. I bet the next one's going to be just as good, if not better. And just... two, two things about that. One, he sounds like a genuinely awesome person to hang <laughs> yeah. out with. I would love to spend an afternoon with Sammy Zane. He sounds like a lot of fun. And two, he sounds exactly like DDP. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. It's I bet true. Yeah, positivity. Same way, and people made yeah. fun of him for that as well. I think what being nice ain't such a fucking bad thing in wrestling. I think it's a bloody brilliant thing. Here's a loving, cute Sami Zayn story. Sami Zayn was driving down the road with Enzo Amore and Big Cass, and they all stopped to get burgers. And Sami Zayn allegedly hates anytime food goes to waste. And they all went and they <laughs> I love ordered him so much. Sorry, but like I love him. <laughs> they already uh, they ordered their food and the food came out to the car and they went through it. And Cass had ordered his burger to have no cheese, and Cass's burger had cheese on it. So Sammy went back in to return it and get him a burger without cheese. And they said, Yeah, that's no bother. They took the burger away and they went to get Sammy his other burger. And Sammy was like, Wait, can you come back here for a second? It's like, What? What are you going to do with that burger I just gave to you? They're like, Oh, uh, we'll take care of it. And like, Are you going to throw it out? And they go, uh, We'll take care of it, sir. Don't worry. And he kept bugging them because he knew they were going to throw it out and he made them promise. Don't throw it out. That's so funny. I've done a very similar thing myself. <laughs> and then apparently, like all he did was talk, like on the on the drive was about like how we hope they didn't throw it out or anything like that. And then later on, someone related to him. Oh, they did throw it out, and he was really upset and distraught about oh. it. It's like just that's the kind of guy that. And there's not guys like that interesting, I guess, by and large. The kind of people there who would be. agonize over such things. There but, should be because wrestling would be better if people were like that more. I think so. I mean, considerate people. Yeah, preventing food waste. Come on now, that's just a basic decency. I think that sounds like a lovely thing. Protecting the environment. Protecting... Syrian children. Syrian children. (laughs) Protecting Big Cass's burger. This guy is a triple threat. You tell me right here now, all these environment and Syrian refugee children and Big Cass's burger. That is a nice guy. Did you give a star rating for Big Match John? I have got a star rating for Big Match John. Uh, I gave it five out of five stars. Whoa! This is 100% of Sami Zayn's matches. Uh, I gave five out of five stars. And was that again about just what? Why, just, why the five? I just think it's a perfect match. I, I love it. It's, it's it's there's so many John Cena matches which I I do give five stars because I just I think they're so well paced. Yeah. and it tells a great story. They very often seem to make very good use of the fact that. The person is wrestling John Cena. Yeah. You know, that's that should be... Like, when you face Brock... I think that's the way it should be. Like, when you face Brock Lesnar, it's like, what's the story of the match? Well, the story is you're facing fucking Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I think it should be the same with John. That he should be this final boss. This kind of, like... It's fucking John Cena. He always wins, yeah. you know? And I like, yeah, that it was an underdog, but not just Sammy being beaten up all the time. No. It was a different type no, of Sammy story. No, Sammy came out of this looking amazing. He worked hard, even through an injury. Oh, no, it's an amazing match. It's so, so good. It's very funny because, like, there's very few wrestlers who have that, like, where they come off well, even though they lose. And it's, like, Sammy, much like, I had this problem when we were doing Daniel Bryan as well, where I was looking at all these matches, it's like, he loses in all of these. <laughs> I don't know if I can just show Joe matches where he loses, but he comes, he quits himself so well. Yeah. Not many people can do that. There's, look, in, res- in pro wrestling, where the outcomes are predetermined, there is no shame in losing. 
Tell that to Goldberg. (laughs) Different story with Goldberg, I guess. (laughs) Let's get into some of your tweets and your Facebook posts about the underdog from the underground, Sami Zayn. Let's talk for one second about what this means. Now, in the hands of anybody else, this title means you're the best. In my hands, it means something entirely different. It means you can do it your way. It means you don't gotta listen to what they tell you. You have to be. It means you don't have to listen to what they want you to do, what they think you need to do to do it. All you gotta do is do you. Do it better than anyone else, and the proof is right here. Luke Buster Rhymes says, Sammy for Syria is the epitome of using your fame and position for the benefit of those in need. Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's really going out of your way to help people there. Yeah, in terms of like, like doing good from what you've been able to achieve, like John Cena is another example of people who've like worked so hard and have brought joy and, and actual money, which is very useful. (laughs) You know what I will say though, and this is not knocking what John has done or what other people do at all, but you know, a lot of charitable works done in WWE by a lot of people. Yeah. Most of them focusing on sick kids yeah. or bully kids in America. And you know what? There's not too many people in America right now who are queuing up to very publicly make a very charitable, very public way to help refugee children. Yeah, seriously. You know? Like, seriously, talking about a hot topic relevant to him and, and it, one that's divisive too. That's one of those ones where your fame can almost like backfire at mm. you in a way because, yes, he's using his money, his fame to help this cause but also he's become a lightning rod for can you imagine Sami Zayn's Twitter oh I've looked have you not seen some of the shit he has I, to, I oh my God, tend to avoid those dark places he went through a phase when he started this um, Sami for Syria campaign he would quote tweet some of them and the fucking bile that comes out of these hateful people's mouths I hate children and he was so good for just stepping above them and being like you know what think what you think I'm just trying to help I'm just, you know, using my platform to do as much good as I can. And, yeah, oh, my God, the stuff he deals with, he, yeah, he's so But he, he he deals with it in, in a positive way, I Seriously, think. Seriously, you know, in such a positive way. And I think if you've not checked it out, you should definitely check out the hashtag sammy for syria uh, Sammy's Twitter handle, I like Sammy, has got all the info there. Or just Google sammy for syria to find out more about that. Because I think he's planning to do more other than his initial Well, goal. now that he's met his milestone of, yeah. I think it's 45,000. Something like that, yeah. It's such an impressive figure. It's really oh, impressive. it's amazing the stuff he's doing. E. Falk says, Genuinely nice guy with crowd-pleasing moves, upbeat entrance, and the most sympathetic selling in WWE. Lawful good faces can get over. Yes, they can. Him and Becky Lynch. That yeah. was like the two ginger lawful faces of the <laughs> wrestling's history. I like that. I mean, I, we've got some messages from people talking about like seeing Sammy at show and stuff like that or meeting him after and how he's always been a total gent particularly people saying that if you're wearing his shirt he'll be like you'll make sure to point out and get eye contact and have a bit of a wave and that goes right up to the top of Joe's wish list (laughs) (laughs) look I just want him to say how much he likes our artwork for this episode oh can we talk about that artwork beautiful fucking glorious my favourite one I think yeah I think probably my fave too I love it so good. <laughs> Captain Trash says he also does not get nearly enough credit for being one of the main forces behind making NXT what it is today. Mm, um, I think Finn Balor got a lot of the 
credit for that yeah. whereas I do genuinely think Sammy Neville as well I think you know, yeah. you know uh, maybe it's because Neville and Sammy not to say that you know they didn't become world champions on the main roster when they debuted but they've gotten so ingrained into their own niches now doing their different things that I think it's very easy to forget that NXT wouldn't be a thing if it wasn't for Sammy and there's knock on effects there Sammy not being successful in NXT would mean they're not going to bring in you know Shinsuke Nakamura yeah half yeah. the guys that they've brought in and Sammy and that original crop of okay we're going to make a TV show out of NXT those guys deserve credit for really giving Triple H and whoever's working in NXT the ammo to turn around to WWE and be like we need to bring in more of these guys yeah. they can get over because someone like Sammy wouldn't have been hired 10 years ago you know that wouldn't have happened I wonder if even AJ Styles wouldn't have been hired if it weren't for the success of Sami Zayn, etc. Well, NXT. I'll tell you that AJ Styles was offered an NXT developmental deal around 2012 and they offered him like 40 grand a year and he was like, I'm worth a lot more than that, <laughs> lads. And he, Good. he fucked off for a couple of years and he came back and he's making the money he should be making. Good. So it all helps, definitely. <laughs> Jay Horner says, Sami Zayn is a premier performer that proves the art of being a babyface is alive and well in the biz. Absolutely. I think there's people who think that you can only be Shades of Grey and you can only be an anti-hero. You know, when I was a kid, all I wanted was a hero to cheer for. I actually, that's why I preferred Mankind to Steve Austin, because I liked that Mankind was a nice guy and had a heart. And I feel a lot of kids would feel similarly about Sami Zayn. Only the heel kids like Randy Orton. Yeah, the douchebag <laughs> kids, the shit kids. <laughs> well, thank you everyone for your tweets and your comments about Sami Zayn. A really interesting episode, a real fun look back at the underdog from the underground and someone whose career I think you and I will both be continuing to follow very, very closely, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to this episode. And as always, if you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on Stitcher, make sure you leave us a rating or review. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at HowToWrestling, or you can follow us over on Facebook.com forward slash HowToWrestling. You want to support the show? You can. Patreon.com slash HowToWrestling. There are over 30 episodes of pay-per-view reviews and other bonus goodies all available to download now for a simple $5 backing and there is no commitment there past your first payment. So if you want to support the show like what we're doing, you can help us out by heading over there or by going to whatamaneuver.net and checking out our amazing How To Wrestling t-shirts. Joe, we've got a very, very exciting episode coming up next. Yeah. This is an episode which is going to look at some of the more overlooked uh, individuals in the history of WWE and wrestling as a whole. Because we've talked a lot about some big names in wrestling, Joe. We've talked about titans of our sport. We've talked about some of the great champions, some of the iconic heroes. We've talked about some of the villains. We've talked about winners. We've talked about legends. We've talked about people who have got a force of a freight train running behind them. We've talked about people who have captured the eyes and the attention and the adulation of millions. Well, next episode, we won't be talking about that. We'll be talking about a bunch of fucking jobbers instead, okay? Our next episode is going to be hashtag HowToJobbers. In every match, there is a winner and there is a loser. In every wrestling show, there are winners and there are jobbers. Jobbers already in the ring with their entrance music playing, if they're lucky enough to have that, with announced weight and height that has been hastily written on a cocktail napkin moments before they step through the arena. 
We're going to look back at the historic role that jobbers have played throughout wrestling and getting other characters over. Looking at maybe how the art of losing has been somewhat lost in the current WWE and wrestling climate. And as well, we're going to be looking at some of the all-time famous iconic jobbers. And including a few of those who've managed to go from jobbing and parlay that into some very exciting endeavours indeed. We're going to be talking about the likes of Barry Horowitz. Gilberg, Mikey Whipwreck, The Gambler, S.T. Jones, and of course, your favorites. So we want you to send us your favorite jobbers using the hashtag HowToJobbers as well as that. Any particular standout matches involving jobbers? I think those are ones that we need to be checking out. Any favorite all-time moments involving jobbers? And as well, maybe some of the more long-form questions on Facebook, such as, what are the roles for jobbers today? Do you think that we need to have the likes of James Ellsworth being plowed over every week to get new wrestlers over? So we can't wait to get our hands on your tweets, your Facebook posts as per usual. Make sure you head over to howtowrestling.com for all your needs, updates, match lists for the new episodes. Until next time, thank you everyone for your tweets about El Generico and about Sami Zayn, unrelated. It's a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll see you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.